Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce that after 21 short episodes, we have our first sponsor. It's a locally owned and operated nonprofit video rental store called Film is Truth. They have a collection of over 19,000 films in VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. So no matter what platform you watch on, you can find the film you're looking for. They have a little bit of everything, but specialize in foreign, independent, art house, and documentary films, which is super cool because they likely have a selection that you won't be able to find in larger stores or even on some of the larger streaming platforms. This is great for filmmakers especially because you should have a wide background of films to pull from in your own filmmaking. Here at Back to Back Films, we are all about expanding not only our own knowledge, but the knowledge of our listeners, viewing films that we normally wouldn't watch, so this is a really special partnership for us. Film is Truth is open from noon to 9 p.m. every day and can be found here in Bellingham at 1530 Cornwall Avenue, inside the Terra Organica Market. That's convenient for you because you can get your food and your films in one stop. If you are a non-local listener, then you can find them at filmistruth.com or at facebook.com at filmistruth. All right, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Back to Back Films Podcast. This week we're covering Vertigo and The Quick and the Dead with a technical discussion on the Dolly Zoom Shot, aka the Hitchcock Zoom, Zolly Shot, or Vertigo Effect, among many, many other names for this shot. Uh, as always, we recommend that you watch the two films we'll be discussing for listening to the podcast because of potential spoilers. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. All right, so we were talking before recording. I uh, helped on a shoot yesterday, um, and initially it was just kind of like, can you help out? I was like, sure, and then it kind of turned into, can you just do sound, which is fairly typical, I think, for a lot of people because there's just not a lot of sound guys, and we all need sound. So Come on, sound guys. Go. I know, right? Come out from the woodwork. We know you're in there. Dude, if you want to make money in film... <laughs> If you want sound a guaranteed guy. job working on a film set, like, sound, dude. Cause yeah. Sound. Always yeah. sound. Yeah, everyone needs it, and there's not enough. And honestly, you also look like one of the coolest guys on set. To be honest, like, the sound yeah. guy always looks cool, because they always got the box, <laughs> and they got the, you know, the yeah. the, the whole, right. you know, the booms like, and everything. Out. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, what, it's like the difference between when you see, like, a, 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 a film crew with, like, like a camera or two cameras going and then when you see a crew with like cameras going and a sound dude then then it just looks it more makes it like, almost official it, yeah like, exactly it, it draws like, more attention than just a camera yeah does. if you yeah. have a sound guy and you know he's got his his boom out and stuff you know so i mean if you're if you're into the filmmaking as you know just kind of wanting to look cool then maybe the sound guy could be <laughs> <laughs> plus if you want to just guy on set you just want to feel like a wizard like <laughs> yeah. with a staff. <laughs> yeah, look like a wizard, feel like a wizard. Yeah, so I uh, I recorded the sound for them. It's like a little horror short film. Um, but it also kind of was like I kind of helped with the lights and tried to help, you know, make some decisions in that regard. And right when the guys got stumped, I kind of stepped in to you know give my two cents and tried to make the film because it was just in an apartment so like you know you really gotta make your lighting fun to make the setting fun so 
kind of wait. Apartment them. lighting isn't the best lighting. <laughs> apartment lighting surprisingly is really bad. What? And Says you have to who? bring in your own lights to really make it, uh, you know, pop. <laughs> Which is what I did. I made it pop. <laughs> and it feels like I'm like, like pop. He, he, he thanks me, Keith uh, Anderson. Dill. <laughs> Keith, yeah. Keith the popper. The popper. You guys need a popper. <laughs> I do sound too. I'm the coolest guy on set. <laughs> That sounds racist and half Asian. <laughs> the popper. Of course, I get a nickname like that. <laughs> Wait, how is that racist? <laughs> it just sounds racist. Like poppy seeds? No, it just sounds racist. It's not actually. It just sounds that way. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm afraid to anyway. make more jokes. Anyway, <laughs> I know there was like an awkward silence. No, the when he you, was you muted the white people on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> censoring, censoring you damn white people. You already Why is have too it just much, the white people are censored? Too huh? much power already. <laughs> I gotta take it back. <laughs> oh, oh god, dude! I want. Sorry to bring up politics, but I watched that Vice documentary. Oh, the, same year. Oh, the one about really the good. white supremacist guy. Yeah, really good documentary, dude. That, Did you I see think the that, video the next day of him crying? Yeah, that was hilarious. No, <laughs> I want to watch that. That's what I need. Yeah, that That's was exactly a, what I need. He, yeah. Uh, so that whole documentary or whatever, right? Where he's like saying, like, "Oh, I'm gonna be," we're like. No, we're not opposed to violence. We'll do anything if we have to kill these fuckers or whatever he says. You know, I can't remember, but yeah. it's, it essentially like a, boils down to we'll we'll kill them if we have to. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh, a good person. There's like a sequence where he's you know pulling like five pistols out from various places on him, and he like brought an assault rifle and body armor, and you know he's like I'm armed to the teeth. Well, like the next day or a couple of days or whatever, <laughs> right after he because uh, he's got a YouTube program that's. <laughs> popular among white nationalists i guess um that's just a racist fucking bigoted youtube program but anyway he posted to his youtube page this like selfie video and he's like bawling essentially <laughs> because there's a warrant out for his arrest yes and he Good. basically tried to backtrack and be like no, we were trying everything we could to be nonviolent. We wanted to be peaceful, and they were like the ones antagonizing us. And then he goes, he has this weird like moment where he's like, "There's a warrant for my arrest, and I don't know what to do. I don't think I should leave right now because I don't think it's safe." And he's like, "I honestly think you guys, the police, are like trying to kill me. And I just want you to know that I have like a bunch of guns, but I really want to like do this like the right way yeah. or the way that you that you want me to do. So just please tell me what to do." Yeah, like, he's like, oh, man. he's like, he he would he would gladly meet up somewhere and then he like give, doesn't he give off his cell phone number he like he gives some information in of like how to call video? him or something yeah and it's like the most retarded Whoa. thing ever i was like dude did you seriously just give your phone number and out? he's like right. he's like oh I, I contacted like the sheriff here and trying to figure out like what i should do but this he it, he said like i have guns and i'll defend myself and i'm like <laughs> you have a warrant out for your arrest and then you're telling him that like you'll like essentially like fight them and then backtracks again to like I just want you guys to tell me what to do like and he's crying through the whole thing and it's fucking <laughs> hilarious oh my god I need to watch this now like, I, took, I need yeah, this in my I, life I like took his whole thing as it like he basically was letting them know that he has guns because he doesn't want to look like a pussy but he also, he also then he's crying in front of the yeah, camera but he's also crying in selfie mode in front of everybody and also like that he he basically was asking the cops tell me what to do because i don't want to get shot by you guys yeah he thinks they're gonna kill so, him so tell me what to do call me to tell me what to do and i'll go do it 
because I don't want to get shot. You already know what to do. There's a warrant out for your arrest. But yeah, he keeps saying (laughs) that he has guns. It's like, yeah, they know that, buddy. Like, like, it's so, it's like, it's so, it's It's so dumb. It's hilarious. It's it's just like, and he, he, and his like crying is so weird. Like, but he, and he talks out of the side of his mouth and it's like this weird, like a stroke. Like, did he have a stroke? He, oh, I don't know, man. He just, he, you know, to be honest, it looks like he's on meth or some shit. He, because he's very erratic. Like, he's like, he's blinking and he's very, like, I don't know. He could be. He could be. I mean, like. And all those people are just people who are like, I'm tough because I have guns, but in reality, they're yeah, not tough at just, all. And confronted with any conflict, they break down and go into the and, fetal <laughs> position, you know. Well, and any fun, dude who like, cries in front of a camera is tough. And I guarantee oh, you, yeah. he's not going to, like, <laughs> run into, like, they're not going to put him with other, like, you know, Aryan Brotherhood or white nationalist type people in prison. They're going to put him <laughs> in like <laughs> the minority section or yes. whatever, which that is like, awesome. which is hilarious. Like, that's awesome. That's like, really what he, that's really the thing to be afraid of, though. Is yeah, like, seriously, you know, going to jail for a little while and then seeing what it's like to spout, you yeah. know, some nationalist bullshit, yeah. you know, like, but it's yeah, like in jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like. And, you know, and then maybe he will find so you know the that group of like white nationalists was just, whatever dude here like, run around in jail yeah yeah his YouTube video like uh, you, I saw like screen caps of like his setup and he's like at a desk and you know he's talking like we are kind of like with the podcast se- type setup and like his whole desk is just littered with like bullets and guns and magazines and just pistols <laughs> like all over it just in the foreground of his shot it's like you're trying so hard yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, put I all swear that stuff he's, there. he's putting it there just to make it look like he's got this arsenal yeah he's stuff. trying to look hard yeah. it's like dude the oh, hard guys. guys don't have to do that yeah exactly because the hard guys just do their thing exactly you know it's like fuck. right that's exactly. Crazy. I don't know. Yeah, they're that, not they're not showy about it. Yeah, you know. Just search for uh, you know Chris Cantwell fucking like crying or whatever, and you'll I'm sure you'll find his video real quick. Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna after the podcast. I'm totally yeah. gonna look it up because honestly, like after that, uh, really that documentary was like it boiled my blood. You know, um, <clears throat> so anything to kind of you know. Make it a joke again would be would be nice. <laughs> Honestly, you know what's a trip about that uh, too is like my girlfriend mentioned this and I didn't really think about it. it. Was like that whole crew that filmed for Vice had to be white dude, to I, get what they yeah, to get the shots yeah, that they yeah, got. You know, yeah, it's kind of yeah, crazy. Like, yeah. dude, and, and that chick does an amazing job. She dude. does because she she like can't believe she gets into the van with them. Yeah, Fuck she like noise, she remains. Dude. I know. <laughs> Like it's crazy because she remains hard. Like she doesn't back down because you you can tell that they know that she's not approving of what right. they have Clearly. to say. However, right, right. she's not like going out of her way to start anything, which is yeah, it's good journalism because because she you could tell they're wanting to kind of get them in their natural habitat. Granted, they're a little showy because they know that vice is with too, them. Right. Yeah. And and you can get that cuz there's that grand the ex grand wizard of the Kukla, of one of the Kuklas clan dudes uh groups grand and, wizard. and like <laughs> and like yeah they have like all these weird names like grand cyclops and grand wizard and all this stuff. But anyway, they like he was there and he was very like kind of showy and it just seemed They kinda, even say that like dude, we got vice with us, you know, we got to yeah. do this and that and like yeah, she does. Like her whole shtick was that she was like, she was never like, "Oh, you guys are fucking crazy." She was just. She, they would say something, and she'd be like, 
oh, so do you think that that's like a correct way to think about it? And yeah. then just like, fuck yeah. Blah, 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 yeah. Blah, 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 it is the blah, same blah. thing. And then there's that one dude with the, the long beard and stuff. The, the guy in the back of the van. Yeah. Dude, and they he, get and like it, this long spiel yeah. about him, like I'm just, just like, spouting what the off. Fuck. It's like, dude, it, it, I just, just go away. Yeah. It's so. It's go back to your <laughs> hole, man. But it was really well done. I mean, I, I, I enjoy most of what Vice puts out just because it's at least entertaining and informative right. to some degree but like like all journalism there are issues with everything that they pretty much come out with just because you can sometimes they are a little one-sided on this particular episode yeah. i actually thought that maybe they were maybe the like the they could have been way more one-sided with it they actually kept it more even than i would have thought yeah just because yeah. what they what it's it, it's such it's so obviously um racist and and you know yeah. that like i i i felt yeah. that maybe they could have gone even more with it but they didn't and i like that just because it made it more real i think they didn't even have yeah, to yeah i think yeah, they, yeah they didn't, they didn't, i didn't think they had they just to let those no, guys yeah. hang they gave them the rope yeah. and they hung themselves like no, that was no, really totally. what that's, it was. that's what I, which i liked i yeah. like that they he that they made them hang themselves because like because like because you know that there's be a whole bunch of people that are like oh they edited it that way the documentary right. made it look like this the real if you if you saw the footage John edited it wouldn't look like this we're we're just trying to preserve the white race it's like fuck like yeah. no you know and honestly <laughs> like they almost have an argument until they bring up the fact that uh, it's it's Jews so like like the whole time they're like oh like you know you could you could almost see like the you know you know put put an asian person and a white person up for the same job i mean that's a terrible example put a black person <laughs> and a white whatever any other race and a white person for the same job same thing usually the diversity's gonna win i mean that's not always the case and that in fact that is probably more than often the opposite of the case but you see companies who are like trying to like push that you know to 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 bring some equality into the mix uh because it's not equal and it will still never be equal at least that's my opinion um but they almost have an argument until until they say it's it's the jews running the show secretly secretly behind it it's yeah like, right guys like the jews like come on what like what decade are you guys in like the <laughs> jews are you kidding me like so ridiculous. of all people to blame for this like what like that's so it's honestly it's like so old-fashioned racist you know like not nowadays there's other things that um not to call racist old-fashioned or anything but i mean of all races to be pissed off against why is it why is it the jews why and and it's just it just it feels so dated, and it's almost comical that that that's what the their big issue is. It's like, like don't. It's like, dude, we covered this already once in history. Like, yeah, we yeah. multiple Let's times. Let's move on. Many <laughs> times. Yeah, yeah it's we it, fought a world war against people that you are now calling yourself in, again. Uh, like, what? Why Jews? Like, of all, like Jews. Jews are part of like every single motion picture you know that has ever been put to film, probably in America at least. And and uh, theater. Hey, that's racist. So, like, <laughs> it's not really. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of the truth. Because <laughs> they're like, the Zionist. I'm being so <laughs> they're the Zionist oh, propagandist yeah, machine, man. <laughs> so all those all those people who are they also just condoning all movies? Do they hate every movie that existed? Because if you hate the Jews that much, that means you hate movies. You know. Also, they're know. like. 
we want to preserve the white white race or the white culture except the Jews. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not. So, white. Yeah, they're not white. There's so except much the, hypocrisy there. It's ridiculous. And then also another thing is like they kept saying like we will surprise everyone on how how many of us there are, and we will we will come out from the woodwork and arise. You know, right. you ain't seen nothing yet. Is like one of the what one of the one of the guys says. And then I'm just thinking, I'm like, you know what? Like, what if we could just <laughs> like do it since they're all like racist or whatever? You know what? Have them go fight our war. You know, <laughs> yeah. or like, you know what I mean? Go have them. You want to go fight? Like, if you want to go fight, like, okay. They have all the gear. Like, yeah, we'll taxpayers we'll, don't need we'll, to pay we'll, for that we'll, shit anymore. They got we'll it. send you to fight. You know, Al Qaeda. You know? No, no, no. That's too far. <laughs> and then, and then they can't go actually go to war. <laughs> They're actually not ma- like you know manly enough to actually yeah. go to war. I think, they, By- they, I think that's Byron's point. Though. But that's the I thing is they, saying, they wouldn't. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, they wouldn't do it. And then also like they're all saying like, "Oh, we'll rise against you know if need be and stuff." And I'm just like, dude, you guys would be annihilated. The National Guard, who's not even our best like you know armed force, would come in and annihilate them. Yeah. Like without a without yeah. a doubt, like it's it's like the biggest joke. It's like you they they have like weapons and stuff, but not anything compared to what the military has. That'd <laughs> be close. Our targeted airstrikes could literally they would they'd probably all get together in some church or no, I'm sorry, not a church, some uh, random place somewhere could be a church, and uh, we could targeted airstrike them. To end just they'd be they would all forever. get a message. There's this black guy out alone in a field. Go out there. So they all go out. There's oh no one God. there. They just get bombed. <laughs> they'd be dumb enough to fall for that, right? right. <laughs> Man, I feel like if make a cardboard cutout of Obama and put him in a field. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be it would be super controversial. But I feel like like there should be someone kind of like a modern day, or even maybe even the. Uh, oh, God damn it! What's his name? The guy who did Blazing Saddles, um, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Like, I feel like he could probably do a really he's, good like modern Jewish. satire film about this. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh my God! Like, it would be perfect. It would be awesome with stuff like that. Even Robert Downey Jr.'s dad. Uh, his name was just Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Senior. Yeah, he, <laughs> or, he Downey Senior. <laughs> no, I like how you said. <laughs> he he made these like very like uh, like dark humor very like you know extreme satire type films that touched on you know the politics and stuff of the day which was you know vietnam and stuff and i feel like kind of like great dictator almost yeah 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 stuff like that and then like and then but put it in today you know it'd be right there's a lot of material to work off (laughs) too much south park is struggling to to because there's too much material yeah too much (laughs) yes and uh snl like they they're like, what do we do this week? You know? Yeah. Yeah. They can't even like make fun of it because it's make fun making fun of itself already. Um, all it's right. becoming commonplace. It is. It's frightening. Okay, so oh, what I wanted to say before we got into that discussion though was uh right at the end of the the film shoot when I was leaving or whatever, uh he thanked me for helping with the lighting and 
specifically said, thanks for coming in and making things more gloomy. <laughs> nice. Hey, that's good. That's, that's good. good. It's a nice compliment, job, but it's a funny way to say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, it could be could be a dual meaning there. Could be, you know, maybe uh, maybe you weren't a good uh, free hand for the wedding. <laughs> maybe he's saying you, you brought a gloomy atmosphere to the set. You know, some directors want that. <laughs> yeah. Some directors believe that you can't be laughing during making horror. You got to be scared. Yeah. So, you know interesting i honestly it, just my opinion i think i think the opposite you know the more comfortable people can be around horrific things i think uh the better i think you, you can come better. up with more fucked up shit yeah yeah to it's be just honest. i mean yeah if you like, take yourself too seriously with that stuff then it's just going to come off as pretentious i think yeah you know yeah. i mean unless you're a true master or something i don't know but it's just kind of like one of those things where there's multiple schools of yeah. thought you know yeah. and some, yeah, you know, and some mine's the only right one. Everything else is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. So Wait, can I, real quick? Go ahead. I have a film recommendation. If anyone hasn't seen the movie Wind River, check it out. It was awesome. It's directed by the writer of Sicario and uh, Hell or High Water. Oh yeah, you saw this uh, like last night, right? Uh, the day the, the night the night before, yeah, dude. Night before, yeah, it's so good. It stars Elizabeth Olsen, Jeremy Renner, um, uh, John Bernthal has a small role in it. Um, Jay Ren, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's awesome movie. It's to sum it up real quickly. It's like a suspense thriller, uh, crime procedural kind of film. Uh, it takes place on the Wind River Indian Reservation. Um, during the winter, a uh, young woman is found murdered, and uh, uh, Jeremy Renner plays uh, like an animal tracker, and he finds the body, and then he has to kind of help out the FBI, who is um, portrayed by Elizabeth Olsen, um, and she's kind of over her head because she's the only FBI agent there, and she has to figure out the different laws because it's on tribal land, and there's she's federal agent and then there's the sheriff and you know there's different jurisdictions because of the uh the native american tribe and reservation and stuff and right, it, so right. things get kind of crazy um like who has the power sort right of thing. there's like yeah. it's like that that's like a part of it and then a part of it's just like just the atmosphere of the movie and then a part of it's like this the you know who did the killing and right it's just it's phenomenal man it's it's really well done i guarantee you Jeremy Renner, Renner will probably be nominated for the Best Actor Oscar. It will probably be up for Best Screenplay Oscar, and it will probably be up for Best Film. Interesting. Like, it, it's really good. If you guys are, were fans of Sicario and Hell or High Water, I would recommend watching this movie. And it's interesting because it's a trilogy. Um, the, 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 the writer, he wrote them all as a trilogy, but this is the first one that he directed. Um, so it's kind of cool. Sicario, Hell or High Water, and and this one, yeah. Wind Whoa! River. How how are they? I, tri- hold like, on, hold on. They it's like, it's, a, mood it's trilogy? like a theme trilogy. As theme, I say, theme because trilogy. there's okay. literally yeah. a sequel to Sicario coming. Yeah, out. yeah. And he, yeah, I was like, that's confusing. And I don't think he wrote that one. He did. Um, he did. He's writing it. Okay, he cool. So it, he yeah. wrote it, um, but he didn't direct that one either. I don't know who the director um, is. Stefano Salima. Okay, yeah. So yeah, uh, but that trilogy, the uh, first Sicario. Uh, Wind River and um, Hell or High Water are he called his Frontier trilogy, so it's kind of about. Oh yeah, that's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, dude, guys, like, ugh, 
I would, I'd recommend seeing it. It's very interesting. He he does he throws a pretty cool twist. Um, uh, kind of it's not really a twist. It's kind of a it's not kind of it's kind of a chronological type of thing too that I haven't quite seen utilized the way he utilizes it. And it was actually the reason why big studios um, bailed on the project. They basically said for this one particular scene, if you cut this scene out, not because of it, it's it's violent and stuff, but just the way it was executed, they didn't think it would work. They said, we'll fund it 100%. You just have to cut that scene out. And he's like, right. he's like, no, he took the gamble, and then he, he had to do it independently. Um, well, it sounds like he still had the Weinsteins backing him. So. Well, yeah, So, but that was after... Um, so I guess they basically had this Indian reservation put up most of the money. And then after that, the yeah, the wine scenes were nice. like, okay, we'll give you, we'll, we're on board with it. But dude, guys, I would really recommend if you guys like, you know, atmospheric uh, kind of thrillers, and if you like Sic- Sicario, then I'd give it a shot. I like mystery, so I'm yeah, down for sure. It's it's really good, and Elizabeth Olsen kills it. She does a good job. Um, but Jeremy nice. Renner, man, does does a, does a really good. Yeah, job it was a low too. key movie that kind of just didn't really have a lot of marketing behind it. No, yeah, critics loved it or are loving it, but. Um, yeah, and I want to say it won the second place prize at the in the Unrigar section at the Cannes Film Festival this year. Nice, so, sick. Cool. But yeah, I had to do a quick. I gotta check there. it out. I love both those movies. So yeah, uh, yeah I'll be curious to see what this guy, girl, guy, probably a guy, name. guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, is like uh, behind the camera doing some direction. That sounds uh, sounds sweet. Yeah, he made a film. I just looked up his thing, and he, his other film, the only other film he directed, is called Vile, which is sort of like a saw. Oh, film. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, all right, cool. Cool plug. I want to watch it. Um, let's see. So our main topic this week is the Zolly shot, uh, which is an extremely popular and some think cliche filmmaking technique. Um, probably more often than not, you'll hear that. Uh, so our first film is Vertigo, the first movie to ever use this effect. Vertigo was made in 1958, and it stars James Stewart, Kim Novak, Barbara Bel Geddes, and Tom Belmore. It was written by Alec Koppel and Samuel Taylor, and it was directed by Hitchcock, shot by Robert Burks, or Burke, I don't know if I think auto-corrected that or not, and edited by George Tomasini. Upon release, Vertigo was met with mixed reviews, and it wasn't until the 1980s that it rose to such prominence, which is really interesting, that when it first came out, people were kind of like, Eh, I don't know if this is good. Yeah. We- yeah, I thought that was weird. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fans... Because it's pretty good. It is pretty good. And a lot of the fans yeah. were just like, this is not what we wanted from you. And a lot of critics were like, this is way too long and slow. And I think it just kind of came out at a wrong time, I think. It was just... I feel like a lot of good movies are like that, though. You know? Yeah. And, a lot of yeah, movies like, that are considered some of the greatest movies of all time yeah. flopped when they Blade came out. Blade Runner, Sissy right. Kane... <laughs> I think uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, obviously. Was it? Is it Fight gar- Club, bro? <laughs> 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 um, Boondocks. Was it Gone with the Wind or Casablanca? One of those two was like a completely, and Citizen Kane even too were all just yeah. like hated when they first came out. Um, I think it was Casablanca. I think so. I just don't understand I so. it. I just don't understand. It. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, like Titanic, Avatar, those all tanked initially. Oh Titanic, God, tanked. get out! <laughs> <laughs> Go take Forrest Gump and Titanic and just leave. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, last Last Jedi I did horrible too, I think. Or I'm sorry. Wait, the last Jedi. I was like, that Force one hasn't Awakens. come out yet. <laughs> Force Awakens did horrible. <laughs> Terrible box office. Whatever the other one was, Force Awakens. Yeah, the Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, where was that? Oh, so since uh, then it has grown to be highly rated. Usually within the top five, I've seen it as low as like forty or something, but usually top five, top ten. Um, in the greatest, li- you know, on list of the greatest films ever made. Uh, but in 2012, it finally toppled Citizen Kane as the greatest film ever made, according to British Film Institute's Sight and Sound Critics Poll. Sweet. That's a yeah. good poll, actually. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so... <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Jacob's a big fan of lists and polls. I, I, I like lists, especially ones that critics make. They're <laughs> Uh, um, Vertigo is now the best movie ever made. It wasn't Citizen Kane. Sorry, we were wrong. We now are, we it's Vertigo, wrong. and yeah. it, it was like sudden too. It was like, you know, one time it, it jumped like from nothing to like number ten, and then number four, and then number two, and then number one. So I don't. I think a part of it too was like because, like you said, it hadn't really been, or it was lost. It was actually one of the yeah. lost films for a while. And then I think it, when it came back out, yeah. So more what happened was in the seventies, it was like like discontinued showing, and then it resurfaced in the eighties with Rear Window, and they were like remastered. Yeah, and actually, it got remastered into a seventy millimeter print, uh, and then had some seventy millimeter showings, which would have been a trip to see because the visuals, the uh, the opening, and then his trip scene, his like dream sequence scene. Are yeah. trippy. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love to have seen that like in seventy millimeter. Yeah. Um, but so this poll is essentially what they do is they they take the quote world's top critics and ask them to pick the, their ten what they consider the ten greatest films are and then you know by votes as I'm sure if it's like Vertigo had you know however many votes then that's the one that's at the top. I don't know how they choose those critics. I don't know who those critics are. I don't know why they're the world's top critics, but that's just what Sight and Sound is, I guess. Um, so, you know, it's a British Film Institute's a big institute, and so yeah, it's like it's, AFI, and AFI yeah. is kind of, they're similar. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious what the, uh, what, what like, the top ten, like, the, 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 the same thing, but with actual filmmakers, not critics, you know? Like, what... What do they consider the uh, the top ten well, films? Well, what's interesting about that is if you go to Criterion, the Criterion Collections website, there's like a whole huge section of directors. It's like know, my favorite section. Yeah, it's, I read like a bunch of them, and um, they the directors say what their like favorite movies of like all time are, and they're all there are those typical movies like Ugetsu, Stagecoach. Um, uh, some of the older silent films, you know, like Wages Battleship Potemkin and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like all you know, you get a lot of those, you know, as favorites. But there's a lot of them that are just drastically different. Right. Like some, some are like screwball comedies that are some directors' favorite movies. You know, like yeah. So it's it's, and I don't know if favorite and best, if they're or the same influential. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't how? Know. To, like those are three different things to me. The best films of all time most influential yeah. movies for my career and like my favorite those are those are three different categories yeah for sure opinion. it's cool because like at, in, at, on the criterion site like the directors 
um, most of the time they even they have a little thing where they kind of explain why they picked that movie. Yeah, you know, it's right. right. a little blur. It's fascinating. Yeah. Sometimes when I have no idea when I what I want to watch, and I want to watch something completely new, I'll type in. I'll just go to that section and kind of go like, oh. What, who you know? What does Harmony? What what would Harmony Korean? You know, what's his favorite? <laughs> what's Which, his what, favorite thing? What did then, he do? You know, like what what of his uh, <laughs> list? And I'm like, oh, you know what? I have never heard this film. And I actually did that. Uh, Pajote, I think, is how you pronounce it. Was a film that was one of his favorite films. And um, so I went on Amazon. And I bought it, and it's uh one of the craziest films I think I've ever seen and it's <laughs> awesome. like amazing oh, yeah it's, what kind of a movie is it <clears throat> it's uh, about these <clears throat> delinquent slash uh, forgotten orphaned uh, kids in uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro Brazil um, and they're all really uh, really orphaned kids everybody plays their true self and it it, it, it's, it takes place in the early 80s and it or late seventies, and they're all like you know. There's like a lot of uh, transvestites and and stuff, and these they're all like kids and young adults, and um, uh, you know, doing crime and and stuff, and it's just insane. And the 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 main actor in the movie um, was actually killed by police, uh, like within I think within at least ten years of when the film was made. I want to say maybe even five years. Wow. Um, from police you know the police it's just this incredible movie man like gritty as fuck too it's really cool um nice. i'd recommend it yeah. awesome it's we, we'll probably, we'll like probably watch it coming of age type thing yeah it's, yeah, it's like it... a coming of age yeah. um also kind of Your like favorite like kind of like but yet like it's my favorite <laughs> but also like requiem requiem for a dream in the sense of like an ordeal like it, uh, it's, it's it's tough like these dude that sounds right up my alley like they, sounds right up my hoo-ha like they, they don't uh <laughs> the brown alley like they don't have an easy life <laughs> brown you know <laughs> yeah. like so they so it, it shows like you know it shows like these you know young boys and stuff like you know getting raped and stuff like that you know like it's it's that part of course is not real um but it but because these guys really have experienced those situations it makes it more real because you could actually kind of see them living some of what they've experienced again you know what Damn. i mean it's, it's like it's, they were raped yeah like yeah in real life in real life yeah dude it's, it's crazy man and it, then they had a scene where they get raped well Maybe not the exact characters, but they, you could tell that they've all relate. They all relate to what's happening within that within the story because they've dealt with that in their own lives. And what's it called? It's called Pohote. P i x o t e. Yeah, because a lot of them are um, are transsexuals, and in that culture, I guess I, I'm not entirely sure, but like they just get they just get abused. You know, um, they. Uh, they need money and a John will pick them up and do what they want and, you know, sometimes kill them, uh, and stuff. And, and the movie touches on that. It's, it's, dude, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's an, it's an incredible movie. Sounds, sounds pretty cool. Sounds yeah, neat. Chris, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, it was one of those first NC 17 movies <clears throat> type of thing, you know, yeah. it's controversial and stuff. It's good. Right. But I had never heard of it, you know, and I checked out that criterion site and he said that that was one of his favorite films. So yeah, it's really <laughs> I cool. It I was going to, take a look at it but first i just wanted to go over bfi's top 10 they actually say how many votes that they 
So Vertigo got 191 votes. So I don't know how many if there was like 200 people polled or, or how many people get yeah, polled. That's but actually a lot. Yeah, 191. So it, in theory, it's a decent smattering of, of people, right? right? <clears throat> yeah. And then, actually, surprisingly, Godfather's not on this list, which usually it is. Uh, so number two, Citizen Kane. Uh, number three, Tokyo Story by Yasujiro. How Yasujiro many votes Ozu. are these getting? Do you, does it say? Yeah. So Citizen Kane got one fifty-seven. Tokyo Story got one oh seven. One oh seven. I don't know how to say this because it's French. Relay, de Jou or something like that. La la ra. I don't know. L a r e g l e d u j e u. By Jean Renoir got a hundred votes. Songwriter. Oh, probably Wages of Fear. I, it doesn't Maybe. say the. Yeah, I think it might be. Probably it doesn't say the the uh, English, but uh, Songrise, a song of two humans, by Murnau, ninety three votes. That's actually a good movie, even though it's really, it's like an early like, partially experimental film. Like Wait, which one is it? Story, um, Sunrise, a song of two humans. Oh, I, I had to watch that. it for a nineteen twenties Hollywood class. Oh, cool! I'm gonna check it's, that out. It has this really insane sequence where they're like, she's like the can't. Well, it was like one of the first times the a tracking shot was used. I think it oh, was cool. the first time a track. Well, no, because Kabiria, but it was like like Dolly style yeah, tracking sweet. and extensive tracking. And then like, there's like these weird sequences where she's like in front of the camera, like on a like like she's like attached to the camera almost. But then she's like. They're, like, going through multiple... So they're, like, going through a city street, and then all of a sudden they're, like, on a boat, and then all of a sudden they're, like, you know, somewhere... It's, like, just, like, multiple... It's really oh, weird cool. and, like, really bizarrely, like, kind of experimental. Um, number six... <clears throat> sorry, the uh, that French one is The Rules of the Game. Oh, oh the Rules okay. of the Game. Okay, that yeah, that's what it's translated to. Okay, cool. Yeah, see, I don't, so we don't. I don't know French, so... Nice. Um, <laughs> number six is 2001, A Space Odyssey, got 90 votes. Number seven is The Searchers, John Ford, uh, 78 votes. Number eight, Man with a Movie Camera, 68 votes. Number nine is Passion of Joan of, The Passion of Joan of Arc, That's got 65. Good. And topping it off at number 10 is Eight and a Half, uh, got 64 votes. And Eight and a Half is, is on a lot of lists. Yeah, Eight and a Half is um, pretty good. Yeah, and then Battleship Potemkin, La, La Talante... I don't know. Breathless, Apocalypse Now, Late Spring, Oh, Hazard, Bathazar, Seven Samurai, Persona, Mirror, and Singing in the Rain. That's the top 20. So Tarkovsky made his way on there, which is cool. Yeah. And Persona, so Bergman. Yeah. Um, and then Kurosawa, obviously, is usually Hitchcock. on there. Hitchcock. What was that Kurosawa movie? Was it Yojimbo? Or no, Seven Samurai. Samurai. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. And then, uh, what's it called? Freaking Godfather doesn't show up till 21. So... Mulholland Drive it's, it's a shit film. Yeah. It's a shit film. The Godfather. Only the top ten are good. <laughs> Everything else doesn't matter. Everything. Eleven sucks. Everything after eleven. <laughs> I've seen most of those movies. Some of them I haven't seen. Some of them I've been meaning to see. Totally, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm way behind on my Tarkovsky. I know that for sure. I haven't seen The Mirror. I want to see that. <laughs> we should watch it for an episode. Oh, we will. Yeah, we have that listed, I think. Yeah, we will. Yeah, so interesting little list. And then... Uh, I want to pop up Criterion's thing real quick just so you know we can cover that real quick and for people that also like a lot of lists and in different polls and stuff um I 
really like uh, Film Comment magazine. And they do quite a few lists and um, stuff, and especially towards the end of the year or towards um, uh, uh, film festival season, they kind of make, you know, best of the Cannes Film Festival or best of the Toronto and Telluride Film Festivals. And then towards the end of the year, they kind of have, like, best of the, you know, critics' picks of 2017 or whatever. And and then they kind of, you know, they have the lists and, and then they also have lists of, like, the top grossing films um, nice. per studio and whether it's independent or big budget. Um, and then you, it's really cool because then you can just kind of look and be like, oh, my, like, wow, like, that movie cost this much money and it made this. And um, Sorry, what? what, what? It's called Film Comment. Oh, Film Comment. Yeah, and it's oh, by yeah, the, yeah. the Lincoln Center. Um, okay. Lincoln Film Center is the one, the guys that, that put it on but or that publish it. Um but it's it's a really good magazine. Uh, they have really good uh, interviews with filmmakers, and um, every uh, issue they also have a filmmaker, whether it's a director or a writer or an actor or um, cinematographer, that will give their um, the, the movies they have recently watched, which is kind of interesting to see. Because oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, because sometimes like it'll be like this big director, right? And then it'll be like the, the top the, the last five ten films if they've watched That's and it's cool. like nothing that you'd ever think that they had just watched right, you know yeah. like and it's something like you know like you know some 1910 film you know like what that's cool that he watches that like he does <laughs> right. you know he does star trek like i would never have thought he would have done something <laughs> yeah. like you know right. and it's it's stuff like that or vice versa where it's like some guy who does some super experimental film and the last 10 films he's watched are all these big hollywood movies it kind of it's interesting right. to to see where it's like yeah Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs is on it three times, you know. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's it is kind of cool to see. So it's a good magazine. Um, I so I'm gonna plug them too. Nice. So and nice. yeah, we're not sponsored by them. Just yeah. so you know, that's just I wish. Enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just to give you an idea of Criterion's list here. Um, this is it's literally top ten list is, is the section. So you got Ryan Johnson's on here. Uh, I saw William Friedkin, Bill Hader. Um, they do other people who are not filmmakers too. So Flying Lotus is on here. Bourdain, I just saw Bourdain's name on well, here. Flying Lotus just did his first film. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's probably why they have him on uh, there. Guillermo del Toro, Paul Dano, Clea Duvall, Diablo Cody, um, Alton Brown is on here. Steve <laughs> Buscemi, Bong, uh, Bong Joon Ho. Um, I've seen Scorsese's on here. I've seen Scorsese. Reffin's on here. Corinne's on here. Herzog is on here. Um, Herzog. You know, Mark yeah. Marin. So it's like a, it's a smattering of people, right, that they get. And I've seen Soderbergh. Nolan's on I here. I think Aronofsky might be on there, Aaron too. Aronofsky for sure. Uh, yeah, so oh, Chris N- Nolan? Nolan's top ten is on there. <laughs> He's um, like the best filmmaker ever. Have you ever, like, no. seen a Chris Nolan movie? So I can't good. believe they actually got him. <laughs> yeah, there's Scorsese. <laughs> Uh, Sonic Youth. <laughs> Sonic Youth, that's interesting. John, Joe Swanberg, um, if you like like Mumblecore movies. Haskell Wexler. Um, yeah, Ben Wheatley. So it's like just kind of a oh, random ben Edgar uh, Wright's on here uh, too. Pretty much all all directors. They don't they don't interview anyone else? Did are you serious? Or are you are you, are you <laughs> I can't tell if you're serious or not. <laughs> well I was being serious. Is that uh, is that a dumb question? <laughs> Yeah, I specifically said that they had a variety of people on here. So Sonic Youth, if you like punk music. Oh, uh, oh my bad. Anthony Bourdain, <laughs> who is also kind of like a 
Awkward. Uh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Flying Lotus, you know, he does like he's a musician. Um, so yeah, so just direct. And Clay, direct Clay Duvall, he's an Sonic actor. Right? Clay Duvall, yeah. So some of them she are directs some too. of them are actors. Dominic Monaghan she directs also. Dominic Monaghan, he was uh, one of the Hobbits. And yeah, he's a uh, 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 um, Mary, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he's Pippin. No, Mary. I don't know. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, he's who's Mary. Who. Mary. Either way. Um, but yeah. Well, so for some reason, I know. thought Sonic. You know how like Bono changed his name to Bono? I just for some reason I thought someone changed their name to Sonic Youth. And, oh, that's a band. Well, yeah. It, well, I know it's a band, but I, I was just I don't know. My brain was just like these are all directors. So um, <laughs> can I see your wine glass? Let's see how far you've gotten. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't think I've I haven't done that much. No, you haven't. You're doing good. Yeah. Dude, Richard Linklater's on here. His his taste in movies is interesting. Richard Linklater, man. Well, yeah. his films are interesting. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a musician, right? He does such a variety. of Yeah, stuff. he's a uh, he's a singer. <laughs> Richard, not a very good, Richard, not a very good one. Richard Linklater. <laughs> I, I can I can see him as like a musician. You know, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, I can see that because he did like Dazed and Confused, and you know everybody's got some. Or he's too busy making movies that take ten years to make. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I still haven't seen Boyhood. Really? Yeah, That's I need to one, check man. that out. We have that one on. You haven't Ray, seen uh, Brohood? Brohood. <laughs> he goes through that bro moment. I listen to Boyhood. Roger Corman's on here. So, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Boyhood. Boyhood. <laughs> anyway, cool. Just coking cool it and choking it, man. Uh, coking and choking it. Anyway, so, like, basically, the point is that if you are a Wes Anderson, uh, if you are. At a loss for what films you even want to watch, go to one of these lists and find a director that you like. Or if you like Alec Baldwin, he has a top ten list. Um, so you know, take take their tasted music or uh, movies and you know watch those. Baldwin for the win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Baldwin for the win, Bald. Uh, anyway, let's get back to <laughs> let's get back to Vertigo um, and this whole poll thing because I got, actually I got a, quite a bit to say for both of these so let's let's uh, burn through let's it here. do it so the screenplay is an adaptation of the French novel D'Entre Le More from Among the Dead D'Entre Le I don't know how to what, I don't speak it's French it's actually a, kind of a better title actually I like I From like Among that. the Dead from that's Among actually the dead, that was yeah. their shooting title was oh, From Among sweet. the Dead um, but obviously it didn't fit I'm gonna steal well. it do it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, Samuel Taylor was the most recent writer of the script and was actually going to get the sole credit for the script um, until Alec Koppel uh, basically protested and kind of sounds like he was like whining to the Screenwriters Guild, um, which deter and so that he protested to them and they determined that uh, both needed to be credited for the film. Because he wrote like a draft, and then Hitchcock didn't like the draft, so they brought in Samuel Taylor to rewrite it. And you know, I feel that was, probably was that before they had the the arbitration system. Because now, now it doesn't matter if you're whining or not; like it goes through arbitration if something like that happens. Probably this was '58. I don't know how long the Screenwriters Guild has been around. Right. So yeah, they probably didn't have something like that in place. I'd be curious how yeah, we could figure that out. Yeah, I mean, it just sounded like he was a well enough known writer and was like, "Yo, guys, you know, you're my uh, you're my union. Support me here." <laughs> um, so that's why they're both credited as writers. Um, so apparently, the letter writing scene and the decision on when to reveal Judy's betrayal in the movie was fairly controversial. Uh, Hitchcock wanted to remove the scene of her writing the letter, and uh, it was at some point 
in the writing process, that reveal was going to be in the quote denouement of the movie or denou- no denouement of the movie, um, which is like the very end, the right after like the climax and everything's going to resolution. Um, that's where it was going to be. And the writing scene, Hitchcock didn't want it. And there was a couple of people, there was like different people who agreed and, and disagreed with that. As usual, uh, Herbert Coleman, who was a frequent collaborator with Hitchcock, wanted to keep the scene, whereas Joan Harrison and another member of his kind of like filmmaking circle did not. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, it came down to Barney Balaban, who uh, heard about this, you know, the scene being taken out, and he was the then head of Paramount. <laughs> and uh, he ordered Hitchcock to put, quote, put the picture back the way it was and keep the scene in. So he kind of told Hitchcock to go stuff it, and you're not making that decision. Um, and, then, you know, if if they're paying you and running the, they're the producers, yeah. I guess, so what is Hitchcock going to do? You know, he's only got so much power. Um, and it's funny because it was 58, right? So he hadn't even – he hadn't done Psycho yet. So he was still, a, he, of course, a huge name, but he hadn't become like – Well, he had a rear window and yeah. stuff like that under but the But he belt, hadn't right? become but, like the super mask because he hadn't done the birds yet. He hadn't done – Yeah. Um, but people didn't like Psycho though that like when it first came out though either, so – yeah, it was so controversial too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. but like, yeah, I don't think people had appreciated him as like this true master. Where I don't, I think that, like you said, like the producers were still like, "This isn't necessarily your movie. We can pull the plug." Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly, exactly. <laughs> or was it the producer, or was it the the, stu- the studio, or the studio head? Yeah, the studio. Okay. Well, it was the studio head. So, I guess in theory, speaking off on behalf of the studio, right. you know, like, and obviously he's got his own. Like if you know, did Paramount actually help make this film? I don't. I don't remember at the beginning if their if their logo pops up or not. I I, I want to say I want to say they did. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they distributed it. According to Wikipedia, it was Alfred Hitchcock's uh, production company that did the production of it. But oh, interesting. So it could have been financed oh, just man. by Hitchcock. Okay, I'll see if I can figure it out. Sorry, I don't know why this keeps happening all of a sudden. Oh, really? I could hear you guys perfectly. <laughs> Dead air. Yeah. You guys didn't talking. hear that at all? I... Hello? Interesting. I don't want to talk Is like over working? him either if he's like actually still talking. <laughs> That's the hard thing. That's so weird. I can, it's... I can hear Come you guys. On. Hello? Just a second. Oh, we tried to reconnect. Oh, and the call failed. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyway, we're going to try and reconnect with Jacob. You know, technical issues. Hooray. But, you know, this is what the podcast is sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's raw, just, unedited, it's, uncensored. Sometimes it's just raw, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I'm looking at Hitchcock's filmography. Uh, he did a film called The Ring. Uh, man, he had been making so many movies since way before this, though. He had so many movies. Um, so he did a version of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The lady, so he did the lady vanishes. That was and the thirty nine oh, yeah. steps. Those are well known. The man who knew too much, um, saboteur. Yeah, he did that one twice. Yeah. Did he do that one twice? Yeah. Rope was before this, so forty eight. So he was able to make rope. You know, strangers on a train. Yeah, strangers. Dial in for murder. Yeah, that was then, ten years before this one. Uh, the rope was. Yeah, exactly. So you know that was that took some pull. 
uh, rear window was just four Unintended. years before this. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I didn't even think about that. Oh, man. Um, to Catch a Thief. Uh, oh, yeah, he, there it is, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Then Vertigo. And then right after this was North by Northwest, Psycho, The Birds. Um, yeah, it's funny. North by Northwest is one of the few Hitchcock films I still haven't seen, and that's kind of one of his one of his big, you know, known ones. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's up there as like the top three Hitchcock probably. Um, and then it's sort of you know to a lot of people it kind of goes downhill from there. But, yeah, uh, like he did Topaz and he did um, Marnie, and Torn Curtain, I Torn think. Curtain, yeah. Frenzy, Family Frenzy, Plot, yeah. Bon Voyage, and then Aventure Malgosh in '93. Man, he's uh, alive till 93. No, he he died before that. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. That's weird. So he... Because he died he, in the 70s, I think. Something that he... So or, late, or late or early 80s. Oh, maybe these were po- posthumous or posthumous. Yeah, it's got to be something Yeah. else. That makes sense. That's interesting. Though. Yeah, because 76 and then it goes to 1993. So Family Plot, I think, was his final... Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the final film directed by him. So I want to say Bruce Dern is in Family Plot, you know, which is kind of cool. I think Philip Baker Hall is in one of those, too, one of those later ones. Dude, what is happening here? I'm very, very confused. Yeah, Hitchcock's such an interesting guy. He is. And it's cool that there's, you know, they had the film Hitchcock where uh, Anthony Hopkins plays Hitchcock, and then they had the film uh, called The Girl um, where... Uh, it's kind of about the making of the birds and kind of his Hitchcock's fascination where Toby Jones plays Hitchcock and Sienna Miller plays uh, Tippi Hedren. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, actually, it's funny about Hitchcock. I had a, well, my roommate's girlfriend, at, um, her uncle wrote that screenplay. No way. Yeah. So Whoa. So it's uh, something, uh, what the fuck was her last name? Um, Holy shit. McLaughlin. That's the dude who wrote it. Yeah. Damn. So yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, okay. So are you back on? We didn't stop recording, so. Um, oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure what happened, but I could, I could hear you guys that entire time. I oh, yeah. You're going to have to, I don't even remember where you left off. Um. Where did we leave off? I, uh, I honestly, I can't say? remember. I can't remember. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> again. again <laughs> oh, what the heck? What is happening? Gotta get off that Walmart connection. I <laughs> <laughs> we heard it briefly. And he's back. Kind of. <laughs> Something. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, I don't get. <clears throat> I don't get it. We'll blame I'm, it on Tacoma. Let's. Uh, can we? Yeah. Can we pause the podcast? I'm gonna. I'm gonna try something. Let's uh, pause it real quick. Yeah, we're gonna pause and be right back. Pause it. And we are back mm. after some technical issues. Okay, so where do we leave off with you? Do you remember what you were saying, or uh, should I just move on? Uh, honestly, I can't remember. So let's just move on to the next thing. Okay, uh, so the location of the cathedral um, in the film, Vertigo, did not have a tower, so Hitchcock used a combination of scale models, map paintings, and trick photography to create it, which is cool. I always forget about using forced perspective and stuff in film, um, but it's a pretty handy and cheaper way to get things done. And you can get um, what you want. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if you, like, I saw One picture that always pops up when you look at forced perspective is like... Um, you know, they couldn't get Humvees for a certain shot, so they got little toy Humvees, and 
you put it in the foreground and you have like a sand dune in the background and it looks like there's a Humvee sitting on the sand dune. So right. it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a nifty little trick. Chaplin and people in the twenties did it all the time. Uh, so to get the Zolly shot, which is the shot we were talking about today, uh, of the tower shaft, like when he's running up the tower and he looks down and it does that, you know, the Zolly, it looks like the, the, the base of the tower is getting further away. Uh, to actually do that, they tried it literally in like a tower, um, but couldn't, but due to, you know, technical difficulties and to, you know, the, the size of the cameras or whatever at the time. Uh, they were forced to actually use a scale model, and they just filmed the uh, Zolly shot horizontally. So that's just that you know how you would normally do it. Essentially, it was just that's on a regular cool. dolly. Um, otherwise, you'd have to like rig it to something that some sort of like crane or something that would you know, like we're gonna get into it towards you know a little bit later the technic technical aspect and how you actually achieve a Zolly shot. Uh, but like you know. Doing it on a dolly, which is a zoom, is about as simple as you can make it. Um, and, you know, it sounds easy because it only takes two things, but it's really... Right. It's not an easy you need, shot to yeah, achieve. Well, yeah, because the timing has to be, like, spot on when you do it. Spot on, and, yeah. And if you're if you're doing it, with, like, fighting gravity to try to do it, then you're just going to be fucked. Sorry, folks. More technical issues. <laughs> Lo siento. We're back. Hello. <laughs> okay. You were saying when you were fighting, you're, you're fighting it? Yeah, I was just saying if, if you're fighting gravity, then it's that's just another thing that you're going to run into that's going to be an issue. Exactly. Yeah. Simplifying your, like, simplifying all the parts or whatever yeah. is, like, the best thing you can do. Yeah. Uh, so unlike Hitchcock's usual MO of shooting in studio, most of the film was shot on location in San Francisco and in San Juan Bautista. Uh, just a quick list kind of of the spots that they shot. That most of them you can actually still view today. Um, Scotty's apartment still exists, although the owner doesn't like tourists. I guess he kind of put up some uh, view blocking walls, uh, probably because people were showing up and knocking on his door and being <laughs> douchebags about it. Um, but apparently the mailbox and like the door they changed the they changed the door color but like a lot of the stuff outside of the door is the exact same as what's in the movie. Um uh, Mission San Juan Bautista can be visited the actual like church location. I mean obviously there's not going to be a tower, right? Cuz they they batted that in, but you can actually go to that place. Uh for a while the Carlotta Valdez headstone was actually left at Mission Dolores where they shot. Uh, but was removed because they considered it disrespectful to have a tourist attraction like that and, like, make money off of... And, <laughs> oh, disrespectful wow. to the, the other dead in that cemetery, right? <laughs> um, but for a while, I guess it was there, and you could actually go visit it. Uh, Madeline and Scotty actually jump into jump into the ocean at Fort Point underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, which I've always wondered about, because that shot is weird. The, the That shot looks like they shot it in a pool. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's a, Supposedly, they actually jumped into the ocean. And you can actually go to that area, uh, although you can't go all the way out as far as they did, I don't think, um, because there's, like, a fence there. I've, I've been there a couple of times, and there's, like, a point where it's, like, you, you can't go any further. Oh, cool. Um, but obviously, that's, you know, actual shots of the Golden Gate Bridge. You can get that exact same perspective, uh, you know, if you go down there. Um, the Carlotta Valdez portrait 
was a real portrait. So the one that she's staring at in the museum, (laughs) that was a real portrait, but actually was eventually lost when it was removed. Um, There's no no specifics behind that. It was just lost is what they say. Uh, But the other paintings in the background of those shots are still viewable at the museum. Um, the wood scene was at Big Basin Redwood State Park, except for which, and they say it's t- supposed to take place at Mirror Wood. Um, and the only shot that takes place at Mirror Wood is the close-up shot of the rings, the, the tree rings, when she's like, oh, this is <laughs> That's where cool. I was or whatever, my life or whatever, where I was born, whatever she says. Um, so you can actually go to those the state parks. Um, Cypress Point is where they kiss, uh, where that where they kissed by the tree. The tree is not there. The tree was a prop that the crew put in, but Cypress Point is a place you can go to. Um, Gavin and Madeline's apartment is at 1000, 1000 Mason Street. Uh, Pedestal Baldoci is a real flower shop uh, that still exists, but it's actually just a different location. And then there's a whole like other list of more stuff. Um, you know, San, you can San Francisco probably loves that shit, where yeah. they say, look at where Vertigo was filmed. Blah, blah, blah. It's cool. I, I think... I never thought of it before, but like you, but you mentioned, you know, that he usually likes to shoot in the studio, and this film. I mean, of course, he filmed some of it in the studio, but it does, like now that you mentioned it, it does feel different than a lot of Hitchcock mm-hmm. films. I think, and maybe it's because of the locations. There's more, there's more different scenery, you know, especially he's following her in the mm-hmm. in the car. You actually get to see more of the that's the city. them driving around yeah, the city so like, for real. That's actually. It's actually a really cool point that I had never really actually thought about before. <laughs> Apparently, uh, in the probably because it looks better, but most of the time when they're in the car, they're only ever driving downhill too. Right. Oh know? wow. Because if you imagine a steep hill yeah. pointing upwards, what do you get? The sky. Yeah, That's yeah. Not interesting to see, right? So when I um, think of San Francisco, I think of Vertigo and I think of Bullet. Those are the top yeah, two right, films exactly. that I Bullet, really exactly. think. Um, you don't think of Full House. Um, I haven't seen it. <laughs> the TV show the from the nineties? No, Bob's it's okay. You're not missing Bob Saget. Do you know who Bob Saget is? Oh, yeah, Bob Saget exactly. And yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, good. Who's the freaking the? Who's the dude? Uh, whatever. I don't. Care. <laughs> I don't care either. Um, the Olsen twins. Uh, yeah, I know that man. Fun. Uh, so I forgot to do this, sorry. Uh, basic plot summary of the movie. A San Francisco detective suffering from acrophobia investigates the strange activities of an old friend's wife, all the while becoming dangerously obsessed with her. Uh, what so, a perv. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, so there's actually a really cool video about uh, that this guy made where he breaks down the scene where uh, they're in the boatyard when he's in the, the office with that friend. Um, and, and he analyzes... Hitchcock's use of blocking in that scene because it's weird how much they walk around yeah. and how they sit in different places and lines and, and stuff like that. Like it's a really odd when you talk to your friend, you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Usually yeah. you sit across from each other in that case or whatever. So that's an interesting video. Can't remember exactly what it's called or who the guy made it, but if you find it, you know, take a look. It's um, it's stuff like that too that I've noticed that kind of makes Hitchcock films Hitchcockian because like nobody else does it exactly like that. You know, yeah, right? He and was, it's stuff that I never. Like when you when you're watching it, you don't really necessarily notice it right away. You know, like yeah, exactly. you know, it's interesting. <laughs> and he's known for his blocking. Like that's like, if there's anything you want to learn from Hitchcock, I mean, it's probably two things: like how to do a thriller and then blocking yeah. actors. Yeah. Like that's his thing. 
Um, so our second film is The Quick and the Dead. Uh, quick plot summary. A female gunfighter returns to a frontier town where a dueling tournament is being held, which she enters in an effort to avenge her father's death. Uh, it's actually a pretty good plot summary. Yeah, pretty, it's pretty much covers it. Um, IMDB for you. So it was written by Simon Moore and directed by Sam Raimi, which I didn't know this. I don't know if you knew this. Jacob, you said you didn't know this, right? Did not know. When we chose it. I thought so you guys it picked just... it because it was Raimi. No, I think I heard, I think it like, I read that, but it just, I never saw the movie and never clicked the, you know, the movie and the name. So I, I didn't even really think about it when we chose it. So that was a complete accident. Um, but a cool surprise when his name popped up. Um, the film stars Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio, and many, many, many others. Um, little side note, my favorite is Tobin Bell, who goes on to play the Jigsaw Killer. <laughs> <laughs> he's in this. Um, and he's kind of a, a ratty, gross guy. <laughs> so, in the film, anyway. In the film, I mean. Um, nope. So Sharon Stone <laughs> So Sharon Stone actually had a huge hand in the choice of uh having Raimi direct the film. Uh she got listed as like a co producer, so uh which gave her some more rights than just an actress. And some of those rights were basically she was just given a list of people that uh she was gonna okay to direct this film and the legend goes that she only sent back one name, Sam Raimi, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she, uh, and again, conjecture, but apparently she had, like, hadn't been a huge fan of his films before, like his earlier films, because he's only, he was mainly known for, like, the the Evil Dead trilogy at this point, right? He had just come off making Army of Darkness, uh, but she felt that he had, like, more potential um, oh, cool. and wanted to give that space to him. So um, Maybe she had the hots for him. Maybe that, too, even <laughs> though he's a goofy-looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she likes the goofy-looking Sorry, guys. Raimi, don't hate me. Um, and but, sorry, uh, Sharon, too. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Sharon, yeah. don't hate me. Um <laughs> So yeah, so she had a she basically was like it, it got to the point actually, uh, and went so far as for her to say like if that if he didn't direct she was not going to be in it like period, uh, and she was like well the first choice of of casting for this movie was yeah. like the first person to be casted and offered the role. Uh, she was like so. super big at the time. Yeah, I mean, Basic I mean, Instinct was ninety two, ninety one. So like, to, I mean, she, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. to be able to say like, no, this director or yeah. I'm out is, like, you know, that's that's a lot of pull, right? Yeah. Um, and then we'll uh, we'll find out here in a minute that she has even more that she did something yeah, else yeah. too. Uh, so she also convinced Russell Crowe to try for the lead role because Crowe was actually trying for a different role at the time, um, and she convinced him to try out for the lead role, although he wasn't a big name at that point, and the studio was kind of. Dubious is, is the word it, that I can make across. Wasn't it his uh, first American film? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was his first um, American film. And yeah, totally. And he was, uh, they had to uh, like put off shooting a little bit because he was shooting an f- Australian film like, at the time, I think. Um, see, where was uh Oh, yeah. So Sam Rockwell auditioned for The Kid, but that was eventually given to DiCaprio. Um, Sam Rockwell. He's fairly well known. The last movie I can think of off the top of my head that he's in is Seven Psychopaths, though. But yeah, he's um, actually in the new one by that director. 
Oh, I'm stoked for that. It Whatever. I think I heard of that with, one. With uh, Frances McDormand. And nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the one where she uh, puts the, the, the billboards, billboards up yeah, yeah. To, because her, like, daughter got killed and yeah. the police won't do anything about it. It's a big cast. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, that movie looks awesome. It looks really good. Totally. Um, so, yeah, Sam Rockwell is one of those names where you might not know the name, but you definitely know the face. Because he's definitely been around. Uh, so the, the role is eventually given to DiCaprio. Uh, but there was also uh, a couple of other people. Uh, Matt Damon passed on it, I guess. Uh, so he was optioned for it. Uh, Sony was, quote, dubious over the casting of DiCaprio at the time. Because his name also wasn't, like, huge. Although he would go on to, like, make the Titanic, like, right after. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, yeah, yeah. Which is right. weird to me because he looks like he's... 14 and then in titanic he does not look like he's 14 so like it's like a weird like shift in his age like he kind of like aged yeah he looks young in titanic but it doesn't look 14 yeah he looks young young like when he wake when they imply that he has sex with sharon stone or whatever and and i'm like this is really weird because she doesn't she looks like she's in her 20s and he does not yeah so it's like a weird like (laughs) I i don't know he's supposed to be some like womanizer or whatever um but anyway, he's young. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. Uh, I kind of like because normally it's uh, it's the opposite of that. You know, it's like young girls and older dudes. Well, they still even had that in the film too, right? That like creepy, fat, gross dude, right? Like, you know. <laughs> but it was, it was yeah, it was grooming that young. Girl. Played off as like super creepy and fucked up, but then you have Leo just kind of hitting on Sharon Stone, and Sharon Stone like she's at that point. I think she was like thirty six or something. Yeah, she was yeah, fairly she young. Was, and Leo I mean, was like 19 or something. Older, yeah. Or maybe even Yeah, 18. he was definitely older yeah. than than what he looks. But it's interesting that you bring that up because it is like a, a kind of a crappy dichotomy where it's like, well, hooray for the young dude getting the old chick. But, you know, like like that's cool, right? Where like the, if the older woman bangs the young kid, but if it's an older dude, which neither one is okay. What I'm saying is that like that one is always like more okay, right? Yeah, in, in films, it's an interesting thing because uh, it does seem more. You see more older guys dating younger Always. girls. Oh, yeah, Always. like so that's it, like, like James Bond is. You know, that's like yeah, literally yeah, what James exactly, Bond is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it is cool to see the other way around. Um, like you said, Jacob, that's pretty. It's you know, it's just different, it's just especially neat. in a western. Yeah. You know, in a western yeah, too, especially you know? a movie like this. You know, like yeah. you could, you know, Harold and Maude, You know that that does that, but it owns it. You know, this is yeah. this isn't trying to do anything like that. So it's kind of neat to kind of just see it. In there. Right. I mean, I better make this pretty clear too. Like in the film, I don't think he's actually fourteen. I think he's actually supposed to be like yeah, he's, he's an adult, to be right? Older. Yeah, he just yeah. looks young. That's why he's called the kid. Uh, so in theory. It is like okay, right? Yeah, what, he what was happens. playing his age, but whereas in the the other sequence and other kind of plot line, whatever in the movie is where the old dude is creeping on the chick who's clearly fourteen, yeah, right, yeah. which is not okay. Yeah, so like yeah. you know, it is, but at the same time, it is saying like, oh, the younger looking guy or the young guy gets the old the older woman, yeah, yeah. right. Like, you know, that's kind of what it's saying, um, yeah, you know, or whatever. Maybe they didn't actually say that, but that's essentially what it implies. Uh, but. Anyway, so they were... Sony, who's the main producer on this, was dubious over the casting of DiCaprio, so Sharon Stone actually paid for his salary herself. That's pretty cool. Yeah. She <laughs> wanted. Really she cool. was so committed to having him in yeah. the movie um, that, uh, yeah. You know, it's funny because <laughs> I would actually, like, as DiCaprio, I would feel really bad about that in a way. 
You know what I mean? Like that you're. You almost feel like you have like owe her now. Yeah, like, yeah. Damn, you know man. what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the thing. You feel. <laughs> but she's a produce. She's the, one of the producers on the film, so I guess it. You know, it make it would make more sense. I'd feel yeah. better about that. But if she wasn't, she was just like the actress. It'd be weird. Cause... And it's not like DiCaprio had done nothing before this, right? Right, because like, he, he had done what's Eating Gilbert Grape. At least, yeah. Um, the Man in the Iron Mask was that right before this or right after this? I'm not sure. I'm trying. It's around the same his... time. It might be right after this because I think he might have did. Might have done the Man in the Iron Mask and then Titanic, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to look Looking up. it his, up. Uh, so, but yeah, it's around this. It's around the same time. Iron Mask is after Ivy this guy. Yeah. Okay, right. So right after. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he was in What's Eating Go or Grape was kind of his big. Yeah, that was kind of his right breakthrough. He did the This Boy's Life. This Boy's Life with De Niro, and that yeah. was kind of the one that he. People were like, okay, he's more than just like a one-time yeah. talented actor. You know, right. He's, he's, a young, he's a young up-and-comer that has a lot of potential. Um, let's not get him on drugs. <laughs> so 1993 was his first one, and what, he didn't win an Oscar until 2015? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Revenant? Yeah. <laughs> it's because he stinks. Uh, sh- shafted that whole time. Um, Wait, you don't like the camera? Nah, that's a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. He's super yeah, dude, good. Titanic, Titanic was two years after this. Yeah. So that's freaking crazy that, like, he essentially almost looked like they made him age yeah. that much, you know, to it's, fu- it's funny because, like, but, like y- even when you're young, that young, like, you can change because he could have, like, made, I don't know. Hit puberty. Like, hit puberty right later. Between, yeah. Like, and it really, you yeah, know, you can really change in two years. It's so funny right. how that works. I mean, he was, when they shot uh, Quick and the Dead, he was uh, either 18. He was 19 when it came out. So he was 18, 17 when they shot yeah. it. Or possibly Which is the 19. time, you know. It's like sometimes that's kind of you get one last little kick, yeah, or yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I mean, his buddy Toby McGuire still hasn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he still looks like same old kid McGuire. Um, so the film uses multiple Zolly shots during the duel between the kid and Herod uh, that make for a dynamic sequence. It's kind of like. You know, it's hard to choose films for this topic because it's not like there's not a lot of films that are like Vertigo where they use the Zolly as a specific gimmick, right? Like Vertigo is trying to show you his uh, acrophobia, you know, his right. fear of heights and the Vertigo that he gets from that, right? And that's a that's a plot device that they use. Um, you know, and then the other films they like they use it it, it. it turned into less of that and more of just like effect for uh, a, a technique used for dramatic effect. Yes, yeah, like a stylistic kind of thing. Exactly. Jaws, like if you did it any other way, one. you'd just be completely riffing off of Hitchcock, and I don't think anybody, everybody you would just be like, it, yeah. "You can't do that. You yeah. can't basically steal Hitchcock's idea because he used it as a plot." It's a Hitchcock zoom. It's literally yeah, like yeah. one of the nicknames of it is his name. So like. Yeah. And Vertigo is obviously, you know, too well known, right? Right. right. Yeah, it's it's a tough place to be. It's a, it's kind of a shame because it's a cool technique. I yeah. like, it's a very, very, very different. And when it happens, it's it's very obvious. Yeah, um, it, Hitchcock actually uses it again in his own movie in Marnie. Oh, um, wow. that's one of the examples. If you watch Foshi mm. visuals, he's like eight and a half minute video, dude, of just different uses of it throughout. Yeah, from like the I, beginning. I watched that, and it yeah. goes it goes chronological, and it's pretty cool. Um, how it shows that and Marnie is Marnie's a weird one dude it, it stretches the apartment because it's like a set obviously it's a set and it's just like the apartment goes from like being this really stretched out looking thing and then it just like slams it together oh wow yeah so it's and, weird and there's also films now that do that effect but they do it just completely digitally 
Yeah. Like, I yeah. think they they did that stuff for, like, Doctor Strange. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, I don't even think sense. they did it physically. They just did it you know, all on green screen, and then they just made that effect. That makes sense. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, animated shows do it a lot. You know, they, oh, it true. pops pops in because yeah. it's kind of easier to do that. You have more control. Way. Yeah, because um, you're not physically having to do it. Uh, you know, Jaws is a famous one that's always used. Goodfellas is probably one of the most famous uses. Lord of the Rings does it yeah. um, when the uh, Black Riders are chasing the hobbits yeah. in the first one. Um, yeah, when they have that know, call. It, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, you know, so there's just it kind of just gets peppered in um, here and there. It's it's usually just for a very, very one time for a very dramatic effect. It's almost kind of. It's almost like the camera effect uh, comparison to, like, the, the Wilhelm scream. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You're, like, exactly. you're like, oh, there it is. There it is in the movie. Because it's, it's used in all, all types of films, all sorts of genres now. Um, I wonder like if you screen. looked in Tarantino's films if, like, because there's obviously, there's, well, not obvious, but there is the one in Pulp Fiction, right? Uh, we talked about that in Glass Episode. There's got to be more. I'm wondering if he kind of just throws them in be, like he peppers yeah. in the Wilhelm scream, yeah. right? Like, and you just don't notice because in the one Pulp Fiction, it's really hard to notice. Yeah, because it, can, it can't, it's one of those things that can be super subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if it's a, a really slow one, I you know. say there is one in Django. I don't remember. Man, yeah. Honestly. I would have to look that up at yeah. some point. Um, kind of seems what like were we Scor- doing? Scorsese's really throws him into his movies. Like almost every movie in yeah, Scorsese's. Yeah, he likes them. And he's sure. such a Hitchcock fan, it doesn't surprise exactly. me. Yeah. Uh, it happens in Lay Samurai or Le Samurai too. Um, there's a really cool, the framing of that shot's really cool, but it kind of makes the windows he's like laying on the bed and it makes the windows really like expand to get oh really big, yeah i've you seen know? that that's um, oh that's right that's see i need to see that movie man yeah i mean i know i've I seen the see awesome shots of that movie it looks fantastic but yeah vashi visuals cool he made a cool video put a lot of work into it uh so definitely check that out um so basically we're talking about this movie as part of it because like i said it's kind of hard but this movie just kind of he kind of just said screw it and Threw like six of them in a row and just and just <laughs> went balls to the wall with it. So I thought that was an interesting choice. It's kind of, right? Yeah, it's different. I like yeah, that. It is different yeah. compared to a lot of others. So and it's it still used same for the same reason though. It's still used for a dramatic effect, right? This is this is the climactic moment between the kid and Herod, uh, Gene Hackman's character, um, and it's been building up to this, right? Like he's the kid's just been this untouchable person, and you kind of know what's going to happen. There's there's obviously going to be this point where these two meet uh, in the duel. And it just kind of happens. It's just like boom, 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 boom. You know, zoom in on his gun, zoom in on the other gun, zoom in on the face, zoom in on the other face, zoom in on the clock, pull the two together, and then bam, you know, like. It's almost like the perfect way to use it, too, is a gunfight yeah, scene. Totally. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like it really is. It's actually kind of genius. Like, I would never have thought about putting that effect in a Western. You know, right. maybe like on a stagecoach chase or something, right? Yeah. But during like an actual gunfight, that's actually kind of cool. The like, Western uses the snap zoom, which they do in this right, movie too, right? right? The snap yeah. zoom is the more common technique, where yeah. it's just and the, and the first duel or the first one of the first couple duels, they do that. And Tarantino know. definitely uses that. In both. Yeah, he, I which he uses it more as like a om, like a I know, yeah, homage, like an homage, yeah, type of like because he does that in that in Kill Bill 2 specifically yeah. with like the pie maze stuff. And I think stuff the, and, the you know the spaghetti westerns I think yeah, they, exactly. they saw that 
effect, and they really used it. Exactly. They really utilized exactly. it way more, way more than the American Western films. Which this movie specifically is heavily influenced by the Dollars or whatever right. trilogy. Yeah. Because uh, this movie was Westerns, designed yeah. as a... Uh, um, like not, not maybe an homage, but like a, a, a reimagining of those spaghetti westerns. Right, you it, know, it feels it's not in the same um, uh, tradition as the typical American western. Right. stylistically, it's right. more veered towards the Italian ones. You know, all the bad guys are like really ugly. You know, yeah, so like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's very melodramatic yeah. in that sense. And yeah. Gene Hack, excuse me, Gene Hackman wears black all the right, time you right. know it's like a really just obvious um melodrama but yeah so that's why we chose it because and also you think about it those shots are like they happen fast those are fast yeah. zollies yeah really fast yeah and that's hard you know to to get us to get a smooth zoom like that is is hard um and then to be able to pull back far enough obviously in the dolly too those dolly um, <laughs> All you guys had probably a workout. Yeah, <laughs> and, grip, and to keep that focus uh, too. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because this was the one where it was it was pushing towards them. Yeah, so pushing towards them and the lens was getting shorter. Is, is how it was. But but the grip crews behind to do these shots just don't yeah. get enough credit. Like they are really the. the the people who put in a lot of work who you don't ever hear about, yeah. you know. Um, and it's 95, so they're definitely shooting on film, which is going to be yeah. heavier, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I just got a couple of facts here, a little fun facts. I'll just spit out real quick. Uh, also, that Zolly shot, when they when they push past him up to the clock, it's kind of like a – almost does like a J motion. It's kind of cool, too, yeah. you know. Like that's yeah, it's kind not of just a, a straight Yeah, exactly. Line. Yeah. Exactly. Um so let's see where am I uh, okay so some fun facts uh, because Gene Hackman had less screen time than most of the other actors he actually became the fastest quick drawer on the set which is kind of cool because he's supposed to be the fastest one anyway uh, <laughs> I guess Joss Whedon uh, was involved in this at one point um, oh, yeah. he rewrote the ending because Raimi didn't like it uh, he was Raimi went searching for a writer the studio said try Whedon Whedon apparently rewrote it in like a night and that's what we have today um, Gene Hackman actually slapped Sharon Stone. He didn't know that was going to happen. So her reaction <laughs> is real. Uh, directors love to do that. Actors love to do that. Where they just like, <laughs> you know, surprise. Um, this was Russell Crowe's first American feature, like we mentioned. Uh, I guess Bruce Campbell actually had multiple cameos in the film, but they were all cut. Um, Matt, like I said, Matt Damon turned on the role for the kid. And then the last thing, Sharon Stone's jacket is actually a, quote, real jacket in the sense that it's actually over 100 years old and was likely yeah. around at that time. There was, um, that's pretty cool. Also, too, that I guess Sam Raimi has his car in, like, every single one of his films. Yeah. And supposedly <laughs> they actually... They took the chassis of the car yes. and made it into a wagon. <laughs> the, the chassis is like that's what Bruce, according to Bruce Campbell, the chassis of the car is like inside a wagon, and that's how they get. That's his like his because yeah. that's his staple, right? Is to put in the car in. So that's uh, pretty everything. cool. Like yeah. even if we don't know it, they know that the car's in. <laughs> they should have just had a car sitting cool. way off in the distance. Yeah, they like, should have. The like, they could have. Like, well, uh, there was some goof too, where Sharon Stone's sunglasses have the Gucci sign on them. In this oh movie? really? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so I was like, "That's interesting." So uh, they could have gotten away with putting the car in some, you know, in a different way. That'd have been funny. That would have been sweet. They should have just said, "Screw you! We're just going to put the car in there. Fuck it." 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So the Zolly shot itself. What is this thing that we are you know talking about? You know, you kind of see it. Uh, we kind of hinted at how it's done, but more specifically, let's talk about the technique. So it is. A technique done with the camera and with a dolly. So a dolly is essentially, you know, anything that's got wheels on it and lets you track, uh, move the camera around in a, in a, you know, you can even be a tripod with wheels. Essentially anything that lets you kind of move the camera around um, as opposed to like a slider, which is on a very, on a specific track, right? A dolly can be on a track, but a slider is a very, is like a dolly, but it's not with the wheels, right? So you kind of get a similar movement, um, but it's a different tool. Uh, different than like the Steadicam, obviously, which I suppose in theory you could do a Zolly with a Steadicam, but it would be really hard. Oh man! Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's it, Dolly is a very specific uh, film technique that's been around since. I mean, we talked about it in uh, Kiberia, which yeah. was the t- you know nineteen fourteen or right. whatever. So which was the, tr- the first film to utilize it? Correct. I think that's what I we think so. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah, we discovered. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been around freaking forever, um, and it's probably the most cinematic tech, like camera movement technique there is, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, so you gotta imagine a camera, um, on the dolly, and then you obviously have to have a zoom lens, uh, most likely it's going to be an electric zoom lens so that way you can keep it at a consistent speed every time because the trick here is that you are zooming in or out and moving the dolly at the same speed or, or right um so basically what the what the technique appears to do is to keep the size of the subject in the frame while at the same time simultaneously altering the size and distortion of the background right yeah. So that's that's the key here is that that what makes it so weird is that the subject is staying the same size <laughs> even though it, their appearance is changing um, as a uh, in relation to the background. So this effect is achieved by like I said either zooming in or zooming out and then doing the opposite thing on the dolly. So if you zoom in, as in you go from a wider you know look to the telephoto you need to be pulling the the dolly out oh. right and if you're if you're zooming out then you're pushing the dolly in and these have to be done at the same like essentially the exact same speed because the subject has to stay the same size and you can see uh even in the Vashi visuals video you can see uh like i don't know what you call sloppy zollies in the sense that like you know, it kind of will go, but then it'll kind of the camera might move a little bit, yeah. so then it will stop the yeah. effect, and then it'll start up again. You know, because it's a hard effect to get; it really is. Um, and some of them, like you know, the Goodfellas one is a long, long <laughs> shot. Yeah, like a long do- uh, Zolly, and the one in Scarface too is a pretty long one too. Uh, when he when they get into the car, and it kind of it starts off uh, wide and then zooms in as it gets into the car, but it like zollies and yeah. does that. So De Palma's cool because he loves doing those kind of tricky, um, kind of likes to push yeah, those stylistic kind of things, which is kind of cool. Definitely. Actually, it happens in uh, Ghostbusters too, now I think about it. Oh, so that's a, wow. There's a small one there. Uh, see, it's just, it just gets peppered in, like just everywhere. Um, so, yeah. So, I've, I've actually never attempted this because usually I don't have a dolly like available to shoot with. I haven't... I, they're not that hard to make. I just haven't really taken the time to actually do. I mean, you can do it with like a, a board and, uh, you know, roller skate wheels and like PVC pipe. Right. 
You know, anything you, to put a anything to put your tripod. You, you on could uh, you could do it in rollerblades if you want if you wanted to. <laughs> you could do it in yeah, rollerblades yeah, too. Yeah, sure. Um, so this effect was actually created by Hitchcock and his second cameraman, Ermin Robert, uh, for Vertigo. And this this Ermin Robert guy is kind of just a guy who's kind of got lost in history, I guess. Uh, he's just popped up for here, and then just you don't really ever hear about him, right? Um, but, Shout out to Ermin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess, and then the other legend is that Hitchcock conceived of the shot when he like passed out at a party or something, is or something like that. Like he, he, he was he was delusional or hallucinating or something, and like had this idea, and then between him and this camera guy, they figured out how to do it. Oh, um, cool. And you have the vertigo effect. Um, so yeah, it's gone on to appear in <laughs> that's hilarious. Pretty much, a f- you know, multiple films every year use it. Um, and you know, usually it's a dramatic thing. Even in comedies, uh, if there's like a, a dramatic moment in a comedy, that's when they'll throw it in there. Because like, I mean, think about it. Like, what else are you gonna do it when someone's making a joke or something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what else would you really use it? For? It's funny because you could. It's funny because the effect, like, it could be used as something stylistic and like like this, like you know. But it's also ties in with the plot it's a part of what the character is going right, through right um and it's also like in goodfellas is kind of used as kind of like where the the viewer is 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 uh getting kind of a view of that character's world like we are focused on well in the goodfellas it's, right. it's actually like it is kind of a pov shot because it's, yeah it's it's at a part where he's He's talking. Well, the main guy's figured out that he's got a hit on him now by his friend, uh, and his friend is paranoid because he didn't. He uh, is afraid that he was followed to the diner or whatever, right? So the, the outside world is crashing it's in, crashing on him. in on him. So that's, it, yeah, that's it, why it's important. And that's what. Yeah. So I think that's what maybe makes like Scorsese's use of it so good because he is using it as something that's. A part of the film. It's dramatic, like, but it's, it's a literal reason yeah, for it. Yeah, which yeah, is a literal which is visual like reason. Really yeah. cool. Like you said, like it can't just be used as like some, like some dude like says a joke and then it and then it it's used. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it has to be organic. Yeah, um, right. Spielberg and, uses it multiple times, yeah. and every time he does, it's for dramatic use. You know, Jaws, obviously, we mentioned is the famous one. Uh, the other one is E.T. Uh, when they're up above the hill looking down at the town, it does this zolly, kind of pushes the town away, and then steps in, uh, you know, the uh, a, a individual steps into the frame. He also does it in Poltergeist when she's running towards the, uh, when the, the, the pul- kids are getting, like, sucked into the closet. Yeah, that one's a really good one, I think, because it... I think that's a good Poltergeist too, one. Yeah, because yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's very nightmarish. It's It's, like... You're like when you, when you're in a nightmare and you feel like you're running really fast, but you're you're actually running slow. You know what I mean, or or vice versa. Or like that. you can't get to it. Like the the whole point yeah. of that shot and why they use it is that she can't get to you the door. Get it to keeps, the door. It keeps yeah. going further it's, away yeah, from yeah. her, right? And it is. It's Which super is really interesting because it's like it is yeah. like getting smaller in the frame as she's running full speed at it. Like pretty exactly. fucking cool, if you ask me. Which I'd love to see the that set for that because like that hallway had to have been super <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Yeah, it it yeah. was yeah. It must it had to have been a set, you know, for that. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And that's the thing it's like and and you know, that's instead of having a set that like physically gets longer, which would be incredibly hard to do and expensive, 
use the camera technique yeah. to get the same yeah. effect. And actually, maybe even better because it, 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 we're so used to seeing things in a certain way when we watch, see photography or in films. So like to have it break that, that perception or, you know, what that we have, like, that was easily one of the smartest uses of it, I think. Yeah, it's cool because you could tell that they put the, um, they knew that they were going to use that shot. They before, knew it, yeah, totally. you know, they made the set, which is cool. Because, totally. like, you know, it, it, when, and when you've thought about it that much in advance, then you know that it has reason behind it, totally. which is really cool. Exactly. And, but it is interesting that, you know, like that shot and um, in Goodfellas and stuff, how it's used as something that the character is experiencing. But, yeah, in, like, Lord of the Rings, it's 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 – it's like it is a little bit but it's not so much character based it's also kind of a just a kind of a cool effect kind of like in the quick and the dead where it's just kind of a cool um effect that makes it makes sense mm-hmm. um but it's not necessarily something that the character themselves are experiencing I, i'd ar- i'd argue that with with lord of the rings just just well, because I guess lord of the rings yeah cuz it's cuz they're scared and like the whole yeah and like, it's like you yeah. you have the scream at the same time it to me the right. lord of the rings thing is more similar to how it is in Vertigo, like how they use it there. I was going to oh, say, okay. exactly. Yeah, because yeah. it's like I, a I POV yeah. shot, yeah. I guess I'm trying to think of another one then that could that would be like a good example other than Lord of the Rings. It would be like... Ah, uh, oh, crap. I wish I just had the list off this guy's video of like... But yeah, but you know, it's just funny how like... So, like, you could, ut- you could utilize that effect really well. And oh, Raging Bull does it. Oh. oh yeah, oh, I, yeah, Raging yeah. Bull, yeah. Ah, uh, oh, Raging Bull, so good. See, I wish I don't want to. I can't go this. I can't scrub through this whole. I should have written down. I it um, has it. I watched list. that same video. It has it at the end, so I'll just see if I can pull it up here. But um, oh, okay, cool, yeah. But I know in in Sam Raimi's one, one, one thing that was kind of made it feel a little more showy was the fact that they were also like Dutch angling it, so they were like they they went in it with you know that crooked kind of side camera and they tilted it while doing oh, the that's zoom true, yeah. so it was like that's true like super very very showy and you know then they also had the like the weird j movement while they were doing that also so it was like who are these guys man like these like <laughs> super showy shots not in a bad way but cuz it really helped heighten it a lot um but honestly for Something that where like I just thought like that wasn't necessary was the very first shot of this movie when they when they do it. Did you guys see the lolly zoom at the opening shot of this movie? No, no. <laughs> what? The first shot has a lolly zoom. Really? Yeah. Did you guys not? Uh, I, I, I don't think I, I, don't, I don't think I caught that. Yeah. Really? Maybe. I swear to God, I'm not making it up. Oh no! At the end of his video, it just tells you what the shot is known as. It says the dolly zoom is also known as vertigo zoom, Hitchcock, Hitchcock zoom, push pull, zolly, trans trav, smash zoom, stretch shot, jaw shot, smash. Oh, oh, jaw isn't shot. it right after that? Uh, let me play. Um, triple reverse zoom. <laughs> triple reverse zoom. Uh, it's it's funny that people call this shot the Jaws shot. It was like I know, right? for people who like didn't want. It's like they didn't see Vertigo or something, you know, and they're just like, "Oh, Spielberg did that." Yeah, be like you know, 
No, it doesn't list the doesn't list the. Um, oh, weird! I could have sworn it did. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, I'd attribute it more to Vertigo than Jaws, obviously. Um, right. Yeah. So that's kind of the basics of it. Uh, kind of like we said earlier too. It's sort of become it's uh, a filmmaking cliche uh, that many people would probably say just don't even consider doing it. Uh, you know, because it, it is an effect that will automatically pull you out, right? Which is sort of the point, but think about it you know part of the point of a movie to a lot of people is to escapism get get lost in the movie you know you don't want to pull people out of it you just want to keep them in there so having a shot like this is is very jarring um but really you yeah. know as the filmmaker the choice is up to you yeah you gotta yeah. fit it in there somehow like you know i i think sometimes if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it that doesn't work but it, you know if there's a reason your story needs it um, or your character would be experiencing something like this, then I'd say go for it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just putting it in there just because it's a cool shot and you've seen the masters do it isn't going to cut it. You know, it has to be, it has to fit within the script. Right. Unless that's the whole point is that they do it. They, like, what if you did a film where it was like everything was Dolly Zooms and it was like, oh, oh like a, it would almost be like a fear and loathing type of thing where it just feels so like, Oh, I bet they used it in Fear and Loathing, too. I bet. That's, they probably did. They probably did. Uh, There's some crazy stuff. They, they used it. Out. I just saw the end of that video. They used it in Thriller. The oh, Yeah, in Thriller. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you first see him as a zombie, it's like, uh, yeah. oh, you know. There's a lot of... They use they I use did, the Zolly a lot of times when like Here, I'll people just, are not talking. Did Scorsese direct that video? I don't remember. I don't know. Scorsese might have directed the Thriller video. Search, search for it. Uh, Somebody did. Crap. Uh, so I'm just going to scrub through and just say real quick. So Vertigo, Jules and Jim, Marnie, Otto Hitchcock, obviously, um, The Samurai, Jaws, Raging Bull. The Raging Bull one's kind of interesting because it's kind of creepy. Like, they make that guy look really creepy. Yeah. Right? Uh, E.T., like you mentioned. Um, Poltergeist, like you mentioned. Scarface. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is really subtle uh, and hard to tell. Uh, the Goodfellas. Quick and the Dead. Quiz Show, Pulp Fiction, Apollo 13, Lahane. The Lahane one's cool, actually. The Lahane, I really... Also, that's a really good movie. I'm going to plug that movie. If you've never seen... Have you seen Lahane? No, I don't... What? Wait, what, so... Dude, this is my moment where I get to go, What? Lahane? Lahane? Hate? Vincent Castle? Fucking 1995? Oh, no, I haven't. I need to see that. Dude, and Monica Bellucci's in it, it, right? Dude, get on it. Um, Maybe Small Part? I don't know. I don't remember. I've been wanting to see that, and it's like he—he's like a so good, like a cult guy or something. No, he's like a—he's like a gangster. Fuck yeah! No, I haven't seen Dude, that. that movie. Dude, oh, so, I, I did a—I did an analysis of a, a long take they do in that movie for a class. That's freaking awesome. Oh, Event Horizon—that's a cool one. That one actually. Oh yeah, kind of it, makes oh, a lot sense. of a lot of horror movies do this. Yeah, I a lot of horror movies. For a lot sure. of horror movies. Yeah, John, um, the hallway John with the. Uh, the director of American Werewolf in London, he directed the thriller. Oh, okay, video. okay. Yeah. Oh, so John Landis did. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so Spy Game does it. Uh, oh, that's the one with Lord Red of the Ford Rings. And Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, yeah, and uh, who's, who's the first name he said? Robert Redford, yeah. too, yeah. Uh, Road to Perdition does it. Shaun of the Dead oh, does it. The per- Road to Perdition one is what is good. Um, is yeah. That, uh, what's his face? Uh, Sam Mendes did that one, yeah. Oh, did he? I nice. forgot about that movie. That's a, that's such a good movie. 
uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Brick, Happens in Brick. The Brick one's kind of cool, too. And then it happens in The Descent. Uh, but these are just, you know... Uh, billion examples right yeah. you can't fit them all into yeah. one video so those are just examples and there, there's a thousand um, different like meanings you can derive from it too which is kind of cool you know yeah but a lot of times it, it seems like a, a trend is like reaction to things um is is kind of where this this thing kind of lands you know um uh-huh. kind of like in jaws you know like the the jaws version to me i mean it seems like that's a pretty common way to do it yeah, totally. Yeah, from, because yeah. most people think they just want they just want something that looks cool, right? They don't want to think about like its application to the story, like the visual application yeah. of it, right? Well, I think I think they are, but I think they want like a heightened reaction, you know? Like they they yeah. want like the character's reaction to be similar to how the cinematography is going. Yeah. 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 Is I that, think yeah, that's a good way. I think surprise is like the most common use of it when there's like a dramatic surprise you know what i mean like when when, when the character's not expecting something or they get some sort of news and it's a yes. shock yes that's, yeah. that's it's the, the shock. most common yeah. news yeah. yeah 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 even even when it's in a pov stand you know like even in yeah. vertigo like that's a that's a shock that he's like right but it's it's also like usually it's something that's incredibly heavy you know like something that's really hard to kind of take in um, exactly like a bo- exactly. like a boy getting mauled by a shark, like getting <laughs> yeah. vertigo, um, you know, like a horrific creature is coming at you, or like a door. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I can't keep up with this door. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like when you're stuck in a dream or something. Yeah, yeah. stuck in yeah. a dream. Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, you can tell because you know, obviously, eat like the ET one is kind of. I don't know. I haven't seen ET in a long time. Out of so context, it felt so odd to me. It feels weird, right? But I bet you, in context, it makes more sense. Yeah. But you could see, like, if you just study his use of Spielberg's use of the Zolly, you can almost see the progression of his of his maturity as a filmmaker, uh, wow. right? Like, because Jaws was like his first movie, and that shot was not anything that was like it was just like we said it was just the shock shot. Whereas Poltergeist, the shot is to show is to get you involved in the nightmare that they're experiencing right. in this house like that dream effect right so like that's a more mature use of, of yeah. the visual itself right so i think it'd be interesting to study spielberg's use of it but toby movies. hooper did i, I almost though, right? i almost oh, wouldn't yeah. call it uh, ma- yeah. mature well, spielberg did he, he produced produce it? it oh but there's controversy because okay. some people have said that he did like influenced Toby Hooper a lot, and that he basically. Oh, directed that's it. right. That's so right. There, there's a controversy right. there, but I technically. So it, honestly, it might have been Spielberg's idea to do the Bolger <laughs> guy yeah. shot. Like who? Yeah. Like, I don't really know. It's a pretty but. damn good idea. We'll we'll give we'll give whoever. Yeah, it's one of those things was. where it's like, I mean, Toby Hooper at that point had had confidence in himself, but if Spielberg shows up on your set and says you should do this, right. 99% yeah. of people are going to be like, okay, let's well, yeah, do it, you like, know? And just funnily enough, uh, De Palma was shooting Scarface, and they were do- he was doing that ending fight sequence, right? And Spielberg showed up on set, and uh, De Palma was kind of like, you know... Uh, a nervous? A little nervous, even though Spielberg at the time was the younger guy. And De Palma was like, kind of like asking him, like, hey, you know... What, what do you think of this shot? And, <laughs> you know, Sp- Spielberg was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I, you know, maybe you know, if you wanted to put a camera up here, you should, you know, you know, you, know, you could try that or whatever." So of course, you know, De Palma did. <laughs> um, that That's actually reminds funny. me too, the whole nervous thing. Um, you were talking about how 
we don't really have a ton to say about the Zolly anymore. But you were talking to me, uh, was it yesterday or whatever, about watching Parts Unknown? Oh, yeah. Watch the Hungry episode. Oh, cool. Because they talked to uh, Vilma Zygmunt. Oh, They spent sweet. a huge chunk of it with him. No way. And a lot of that episode is about uh, his experience in Hungary, oh, in film cool. school, during the war, coming to America. Oh, sweet. Um, and so he's like... He when he introduces him, he's like, "This is Vilma Sigmund, known for such famous movies, and he did this for oh, cinematography." Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "He is making our camera crew very nervous right now." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, of course, these are all cinematographers, and this is like a world-renowned one. Of course, oh yeah, think, you know, one of the one of the most renowned cinematographers, cinematographers ever. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's totally. him oh, and wow. um, who's uh, there's two dudes that came out of Hungary. I can't think of the other. Vilma Sigmund and uh, yeah, he says the name in the episode. I can't remember, but there's two two cinematographers that came out of Hungary that yeah. just like freaking rocked yeah. the world with their <laughs> with their uh, cinematography. So yeah, totally. That's another film. That's cool. Episode, I'm gonna have to so check that out. That's a good one to watch. Uh, but yeah, so in terms of Zolly stuff, I don't know. We could just talk about the reviews of the movie, I guess. Um, I I'm guessing we all liked Vertigo. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's one of uh, Hitchcock's better movie it's it's one of his better uh jimmy stewart movies i think it's it's my favorite jimmy stewart movie with hitchcock i don't think i've seen there's one that i haven't seen i think career window is still my favorite jimmy stewart movie with with hitchcock yeah Yeah, i think yeah real window is pretty fucking good it's interesting because uh i can't remember who specifically said it but there was like some sort of uh, they were sort of unsure about his casting in this movie because, like, they didn't think that it was realistic that she would be attracted to a guy like him because he was you know, <laughs> fairly old at this point, right? Uh, Mr. Rogers lookalike, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't until later that uh, theorists and, and analysis kind of came out where they were saying, like, that's actually a good choice because it added to the sort of, like, the the the, the, mas- the, the weird mad nature of the movie masculinity like the the angry man of it well n- not that necessarily but the fact that the movie just kind of had this weird like uh there's something off about it yeah it's kind right? of dream not dreamy but like it, it helped, that, that, helped yeah. the feeling yeah. the, the the tone that yeah. the movie was kind of going for that right? that is a theory of this movie though that some people think that uh, or a theory is that uh when he's up like experiencing vertigo the first time mm-hmm. that he imagines the entire rest of the movie while up there hanging up there oh god in the intro <laughs> that was that was a theory someone uh someone threw out are you sure he didn't fall and the whole thing was a dream and he wakes up in a hospital bed i i think that could be part of something that people are just suggesting. Can we have an episode? Can we have an episode where we just talk about seriously bad theories? Oh my god! Can we come up can with we do movies? Inception? Because the, the whole thing where it's like the whole movie's a dream. <laughs> oh yeah! I yeah. just want to shoot whoever says that. Honestly, <laughs> god, Inception's annoying. Uh, did yeah. the top? Did the top wiggle a little bit? Did it continue going? I don't know, man. I don't know. We d- we'll never know. We'll never know. I don't know. give a fuck anyway, so shut up. <laughs> yeah, we no, got we got the inception whole, if we do it that some, episode. I think there I think there is way better like, you know, theories uh, on Vertigo than than that. You know totally. what I mean? The no. dream theory is the worst theory ever. <laughs> the dream theory can work or the the whole 
uh, the theory where they're actually in a, a mental institution and these people are just metaphors for, oh, the bad guy's actually the caretaker who, you know, doesn't oh, actually yeah. treat me like crap, but I think treats me like Like that one and the dream, because they're kind of the same. Because the dream, you can assign any sort of element of that theory to whatever you right. want, and it yeah. works. It all just like, neg- automatically. It all just negates the movie. And that just like. And that too. It's that's like, that's oh. a horrible theory of like the entire thing just gets negated and there's no point or if in watching. someone wakes up if someone wakes up and they're like it was just a simulation the whole time oh yeah like, <laughs> dude like, that's the end tell- of uh d- this is totally a little bit out there but that's the end of the second super mario brothers did you guys ever beat that game because the end is literally just mario he was dreaming <laughs> it's the oh my god it's the fucking god. worst dude it's so disappointing. The worst. It's literally do not the worst. Ever do that as your ending because yeah. you will be hated, and the audience will hate you, and you most likely will never make a movie well, again. Honestly, Unless you have seriously. a really good reason. <laughs> but I mean, what is a good reason? I don't know. Someone might come exactly. up with one. It seriously seems like it's one of those things that, like, a, you know, like a middle schooler comes up with. Exactly. Like as, as right. I hate to, I know I don't want it's to be almost mean, like, but, like uh, but I will be mean for this one because dude, it's I gotcha, it's, yeah. Yeah, 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 gotcha. It's like a Dusex Machina. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, so I like those sometimes. I actually don't mind those. We get like the it's hand not of, as egregious hand as of God or something, and it comes up with you know something crazy. Well, it's not as egregious as the but but like the yeah, but I, I you know but like there's some of the. Those suck though, like a car accident that kills the main character at the very end. You're like, okay, we've seen that like uh, five hundred billion times. Come up with something new, you know? Right? Yeah. Like a flying, like a flying drill or something. <laughs> well, like here, here's an example. Like enter <laughs> flying drill. Enter. <laughs> I'm just being stupid. <laughs> enter, enter the void. That that movie is just a giant dream sequence. Yeah, and but they see it. the. The other thing, oh, I, but the, yeah. no, but the other, uh, so it's not like uh, a horrible thing. The 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 other comparison I thought of right away was there's a house episode where he is in a uh, he gets in an accident and they're pushing him into the, into the hospital. So you see that, and then it goes to this weird like sequence where most of the episode forty minutes happens within a six second period. But see the the between that and Enter the Void, what they do is they set up a scenario beforehand, so you know it is. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. you know, right? So it's not like it's, it's oh, not gotcha, a gotcha surprise. Moment. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Exactly. Enter the Void is like he smokes DMT, which is supposed to give you an extremely ho- strong hallucinatory experience for like a short period of time. Right. Uh, to, to the point where people. Th- say that they like went to a different dimension and yeah, talked to like yeah. you know interdimensional beings aliens and stuff yeah. yeah so like and then it's also supposed to be an allegory for uh, the Tibetan book of the dead yeah, so which, like yeah. they set both right. of those things up from the beginning right and I took it more as an allegory um with the you know the Tibetan book of the dead for me that's how I, I right. took that I took it more off that than anything that was like a dream I'm sure if you're really familiar with that book which is a really hard book to read by the way uh, but if you're familiar with that book then I, I'm sure you're going to find more yeah. allegories in it well, she but, said hang on that's why Gaspar Noe or No or whatever is so cool because he he doesn't just come up with these crazy ideas just for the sake of them being crazy they're they they have meaning mm-hmm. in, right in different ways in like different, a deeper know. cultural meaning yeah which yeah. is cool which that movie is super awesome and really hard to watch but if you can watch it it's really awesome we should uh yeah, we should good. do it on the podcast it's one of my favorite and also, movies it also yeah. messes like with memory and, and yeah, stuff exactly. too which yeah. is really cool memory and, and dreamscape and stuff like that yeah um 
But Fuck yeah. Inception, watch Into the Void. <laughs> <laughs> that has one of my favorite opening title sequences, too. Oh, yeah. When that music starts. Oh, my God. That just starts title sequence. It's the worst. <laughs> but also the best awesome. for the se- I know, but it's, it's just like awesome. it just it burns. It burns your eyes to watch. You know, that's the whole point. If you ever watch it in like a in a dark like, you know, be, be prepared. You know, if you're watching End of the Void, if you have a dark epilepsy, ro- be careful. Room. No, don't oh yeah, exactly. Be prepared. Yeah, don't yeah, be prepared. Don't that's be prepared. the point. Don't be prepared. That's the point. Um, also, like also, Tokyo was a f- fantastic uh, setting for that too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like, I don't think it, they could have said it anywhere else. No. Hey, uh, you mentioned the title sequence, and I just I just wanted to give a shout-out to Saul Bass, who's the uh, uh, oh, motion yeah. graphics guy who did Vertigo, and he did a bunch of other uh, movies. He, uh, he's just like a, a motion graphics designer guy who worked in a lot of ho- – uh, did a lot of Hollywood stuff and – um, you know, he he just he was the guy who did like shapes and stuff like that. You know, for for films, uh, you know, way back when. I th- uh, let's see, I think he was done around the nineties. It's when he retired. But um, but yeah, shout out to him. Uh, just because of all they of his motion like, graphics that he did, super cool. They used like machine guns or something to make some of the graphic. I I didn't look into it. I kind of skimmed over it. So I might have been putting multiple ideas together that don't actually exist. But from what I understanding, to get some of those swirly effects and those circular effects in the beginning, uh, they used like lights on like a machine gun, a oh, spawn uh, or something. Oh, that's it kind of interesting. The shape. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, and then he, you know, the the freaking middle sequence where he's like dreaming or whatever and tripping out is yeah. like so awesome. They did. They, it awesome. still holds up. It still holds up like, really well. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, Saul Bass is cool. He's, I mean, almost everyone has, I guarantee, has seen at least a couple of his uh, title sequences. I mean, he's just. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, he did Goodfellas, he, yeah, Goodfellas, uh, Goodfellas Casino, and Casino, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the Man with the Golden Arm, Spartacus. He's done so many. Yeah, surprisingly, classics. you know, directors and filmmakers don't make their own. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I want to say Saul Bass's wife was in the industry too, and I think she helped him with his credits stuff, but <clears> she also did other stuff too. It was kind of cool. So. Um... Well, like, if you've seen, like, the Catch Me If You Can, that's not Paul Bass, but it's, like, an homage to Paul Bass. So it's, like, that kind of style um, at the beginning, which Catch Me If You Can is a fucking... Oh, really? I love the Catch Me If You Can opening. You didn't like it? You know, I just... That was... It got me out of the movie for me. Oh, my God. I loved it. It didn't didn't seem like it it was almost... It It didn't feel like the movie. It didn't feel like Like, the movie. Right, yeah, it, yeah, like, it almost got there, but it didn't. It wasn't quite like. But I almost attribute that not. I, I more, attribute it more to like Spielberg, though, not the creators of the. Of the sequence, because he weird. he was probably like, I want a Paul Bass thing, and they were like, here's yeah. Paul Bass, but you can't. We can't really mimic like an artist, you know. <laughs> like you just right. you're there an artist or you don't. But you know when you mimic other people then it's like you just get like a lesser version of that yeah so i no, guess I, I could so did, see that did bass do work on vertigo oh yeah there it is yeah he did the no. all the titles or the opening titles um i assume i'm assuming he's doing the uh the the, the nightmare um shapes and stuff like that but i don't actually I think know he, I, I think he, he does involved do in psycho 
Yeah. So well, he does. He, he does. In he does all. The, he does the opening uh, credits for a lot of movies. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he also did Anatomy for a Murder. I think too, which which isn't Hitchcock, but I think yeah. he did that one as well. I mean, he, I he did Spartacus and. Oh, he did do Iris titles for vertical. Okay, yeah. So he did do the title sequence then. Uh, this is interesting though too because he did he designed a bunch of logos that we know nowadays. Yes, uh, really familiar ones. Yeah. So this is saying Bell System, AT and T, uh, General Foods, United Airlines, Ev- uh, Avery International, Continental Airlines, Celanese. United Way, Rockwell International, Minolta, Girl Scouts of the USA, Lori's Foods, Quaker Oats, Kleenex, Frontier Airlines, Dixie, Warner Communications, and Fuller Paints. Dude, that's insane. Yeah, yeah wow. Those are some of the most well-known logos. Yeah, like, that's yeah. crazy. That's well, it's crazy. funny that I can see why Jacob would, like, you know, really like this guy, because you do that sort of thing, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, Paul Bass is, like, my hero. You know, yeah. and you know, he's and he's so like he was so ahead of his time because nowadays it's like, you know, like Adobe Illustrator and and Photoshop, like there there are tools that are kind of built to all, pretty much mimic how he used shapes for things. So like if you look at his like movie posters and stuff like that from the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s and or even, you know, I guess in the 80s, too. But uh, they're all like like if you look at the Vertigo poster. It's it's just like it's that shape that he did with the little spiralies that you see in the yeah. intro credits, and then it's like a man, just that was just like uh, completely black, and it's just it's almost it almost looks like a. I'm told this is gonna sound insulting, but like a crappy like, um, uh, like paper, um, like like South Park where it's like the pap- the cutout, paper. yeah, like a paper cutout dude, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. it looks like that, but there's just. How he does it is incredible. Um, yeah, it's very eye, it's it's eye catching and it's memorable. It, yeah, it's extremely and it's just like how the shapes all work together. Like something about it, uh, like I, I couldn't even tell you. It's just like just his brain. But like even like how the font is all put together with that. Like it all look like even the font. It looks like it's all cut out like that. Like it's just yeah. very interesting. And Anatomy of a Murder. That poster is like super cool looking too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he uh, used a couple of quick movies here. Um, he became widely known for Otto Preminger's The Man with the Golden Arm. But you're right. He also did North by Northwest, Vertigo, Psycho. Uh, the Yeah, the North by Northwest, like, title sequence is, like, one of the best title sequences I've ever seen. Like, ever. Like, I, nice. it's one of my favorites. I don't. You guys have seen that, right? I've seen the title sequence, but I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, I actually haven't seen that movie either. Oh, man. It's a really, so what, it's I, a really good yeah. movie. Uh, totally worth watching, but the uh, the title sequence, man. Whew. Nice. Perfect. Um, so Walk on the Wild Side, Nine Hours to Rama. You said Anatomy of a Murder, right? Yeah. Um, Around the World in 80 Days. Spartacus. He's involved in Spartacus, and that's when he started getting involved with his what became his wife, Elaine Makatura. Um, which hey, they buddy. started designing stuff together. Uh, Walk on the Wild Side, Age of Innocence, Mr. Saturday Night. Grand Prix, Big Country, The Victors. Um, and then they got, they, this, according to this, it says they got rediscovered by Scors- uh, James L. Brooks and Scorsese, which then led them to Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Age of Innocence, Casino. Oh, yeah, Cape Fear. That, one, that one's different. I need to rewatch Casino, man. I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, but yeah, so he's. Uh, <clears throat> some examples of title sequences that pay homage to him are Catch Me If You Can, X Men First Class, and Mad Men. 
the series, the t- TV series. Yeah, which I, I mean, I like the Catch Me If You Can one, but I, I can understand people just being like, eh, you know, like yeah. I'll take it or leave it. But I, I like it. That's like a, that's like a uh, one where it's like. 2D figures or whatever, right? Like, it's like a... Yeah, yeah, there, like it's... A 2D moving sequence or whatever. Yeah, it's just, like, how they use, like, the, the figures and how they use light when they're... Because it's, like, a guy running from another guy in the entire... That's Catch Me If You Can, the movie, but that's also, right. like, the the title sequence. And it's just how they use, like, light with the little figures that they're using is really right. interesting to me. Um, so, But it's, like, Mad Men is, like, a black you know male like a like a like a male like like it looks like a the bathroom sign whatever yeah, 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 it's like yeah. a black like a silhouette character. yeah silhouette that's yeah. what i think of exactly and then it's like falling through like 2d yeah. shapes and objects i like that yeah. one i like the credit sequence um, to mad men it's pretty yeah. cool i mean that's kind of how they all are that's kind of how yeah. all, all of these things are especially if there's people in them like they're usually like wow. one to two characters or well i'm sorry right. one to two colors that are used to like define a, a person or or an object in a scene. Bond was kind of like that too, right? Yeah, you yeah. Bond yeah. ones. He designed a postage stamp for ni- a 1983 postage stamp. <laughs> crazy, dude. That's crazy. A postage like, stamp? Yeah, he designed the postage stamp for science and industry for, of 1983. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty cool, but it's also pretty fucking lame. I'm not... <laughs> <just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> um... Alcoa, Alcoa is a company that's here in Bellingham too. Um, well, one thing, Paul, Be- he's a uh, club. He is an Academy Award-winning filmmaker too. So he he made a short film that won like best short. Um, it's called Why Man Creates. Okay. Oh wow. Nice. So yeah. So oh, he's yeah, actually his posters. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm looking at his posters now, and it's yeah the Vertigo poster. Yeah, like those are. That's a very particular style that is, you know, And it's funny because it's actually, I think, coming back. I, and I think a part of it's, like, the hipster thing, but... Oh, he did I, the Shining poster, you know, too. I, I think, oh, sweet. Yeah, I think part of it is it, the hipster thing, but I also I think it's just because that, that's Adobe. Like, the, the, they, right, the right. tools, like, Illustrator is, is to in my uh, very non-professional opinion, uh, to, is, is basically like, hey, let's... This is the Paul Bass program, you know? You want to make Paul Bass stuff? Here you go. Here's Illustrator. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's like, and it, I think because they're so iconic, when when you want to make your movie poster, you're, you can't help but be influenced by some of these iconic images that you've remembered as a, you know, a kid, you know? Right. Totally. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. And they're just, uh, they're so simplistic, and I think that's what's so, makes them so, you know, great looking. Yeah, um, yeah, it's simplistic but yet hard to emulate. Really, yeah, because they're so like um, they're just about the core idea of the, like you have to go back to the core idea of the movie. Like the the Shining one is just like a the it says the Shining on it, and then in the T, which is ginormous, is a is a dude's face. And it I also thought <laughs> I always thought that one was weird because it looks like a fucking like alien. It or does. Something. It's kind of a. Like, it has nothing to do with, like, the movie. It's, like, the people in the right. movie or anything like that. Like, I don't know. That one's always kind of weird but it, to me, but, but it still kind of captures the tone in, like, the same way, uh, you know, like, The Thing, like, that poster, that famous, famous movie poster um, that yeah. they had, like, a day to make it, and it has nothing to do with the movie, but it's a fucking, it's an amazing poster, and it matches the movie, even yeah, though the content true. is 
like makes no sense in in context of the movie like if you look at it superficially that's true yeah uh well it's cool i'm glad you guys brought up uh paul uh saul bass um because i definitely would not have so that's why you guys are here plus his last name is uh bass so that's pretty cool (laughs) so memorable is there any relation to lance bass you could call him ball sass if you want Ball sass. <laughs> that's ball sass. Ball sass. Don't give me that ball sass, Keith. Put your <laughs> put that ball sass away. God dang it. Byron has choking and coking and you have ball sass. <laughs> Jesus. I, I have nothing yet. You, 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 you get your time. Give it give it a couple give it a couple more episodes. I think yeah. Marvel will probably You'll come, come up with something. Everybody. You'll come up with something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no oh. for sure. I, I yeah. Jacob, do you think you were the one that said film bro first, too? The first episode. <laughs> well, I have, a, lo- I have a lot like, of things. Film bro, I love this. I'm going to use this all over now. Don't, yeah. don't be intimidated by how many things I have, Kevin. <laughs> You'll come up with one sometime. Ke- Kevin. Okay, Jacob. <laughs> Nakey Jakey. Uh, oh, yeah, Nakey Jakey's back. Fuck these two films. They suck. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about Cooking the Dead. Um, I was actually surprised that movie wasn't that bad. Uh, like a three star ish movie, predictable but you know entertaining, I suppose. I didn't love yeah. it. What? I didn't love this it either. Is like this seems like this is like <laughs> Jacob. Oh my God, you always like kind of like surprise me sometimes because this seems like more of your type of movie it, to me. Well, it would be like if there was a western that I would think that you would like, this would be it. Really? Dude, I'm forgiven yeah. all the way. 100%. Well, okay. Yeah, Unforgiven's amazing. I'm glad you like Unforgiven. Well, that's dude, good. that's like the best Western ever made. Uh, oh, it's, good. it's good. It's good. It's good, but... I haven't, have seen, seen, I haven't seen The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Have you or, seen... Um, yeah, see The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly yeah. and For a Few Dollars More? Oh, man, so good. I've seen the but first one. Also, you have to see... The assassination of Jesse James. Oh, oh okay. Well, yeah, that one, that is one of my favorite movies. And, and uh, the wait, you're talking about the new one from 2008, right? Yeah, with, with Brad, Roger Deakins and, and that yeah, train sequence with the oh, train light. Dude, and Casey Affleck's performance, man, is sick. Oh, uh, dude, that's what turned me on to Casey Affleck. Yeah, man. Is that dude, movie? That movie Are is you mocking fantastic. me? Feels no, dude, I'm serious. Are you sure? Like, it's, I am serious, dude. That movie. <laughs> One of the best westerns ever. So yeah, I'm stoked to. Like, okay, I'm just making th- sure because I've been t- I've been saying that for a long time. So I just want to make sure you're not just. Well, no, yeah, same here. Okay. Every okay, oh, good. that's one of the that's a movie that my brother Nick and I have basically turned on to so many people and they're like what when did this movie come yeah, out what is this movie like what is this movie like, and they're like, oh, well, it's it, almost three hours long i don't know if i'm gonna watch it oh come on you got and then they watch it and they're like dude <laughs> dude it's seriously like one yeah. of the it's like one of the best movies from like the 2000 2000 yeah. 2010 um no country for old men assassination of just came jesse james by the cat robert ford and um uh, there will be blood. I think all came out in 2007, and they're t- probably the top three films of that of that year. Apparently, the proposition is a really good one. Oh, the too. proposition is good. Guy Pierce, yeah, that's yeah, Australian dude, John Hillcoat. Western. Yeah, man, the guy yeah. who did the Rover and uh, Lawless, and uh, mm-hmm. so I, I've I don't know both of those too. I don't know. Unforgiven, like you have Clint Eastwood in it, and you just get so much for doing that. And they knew that going into the movie, they like knew. By he had so much movie baggage. He had so much movie. Exactly. He had so yeah, much movie the, baggage. 
that's the best movie baggage example ever i think no it's perfect and like uh, it's yeah it's that movie is one of the we're just one of the best movies i've seen i think i mean unforgiven is good it might be my my top five westerns well yeah we'll have to what is uh, the well, quick and the dead number one <laughs> no 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 not even, not even close not even close that's the only western See, that's I've what ever i'm seen. saying one of my favorite westerns is uh high plains drifter with clint eastwood such, it was the first such a first film first film he's ever directed <laughs> dude it's so good he paints the fucking town red calls it hell so when the bad guys come to town they know that they're like in, in for it it's so dope <laughs> you've come to hell yeah. super funny it's we're awesome. gonna have to do a western well we have a we're structuring our schedule and western is nowhere near on it in the next like six months of stuff we've kind of planned but we really should plan to do one well like, we gotta do jesse james because i want to watch it again yeah dude, i haven't seen so it good. So, yeah so we'll, have to, oh, we'll have to talk about bro, you know gotta see jesse james bro brad bad yeah, bro, bro pitt is in it yeah bro broad pitt bro sam rockwell's bro in it too we were talking about sam rockwell oh yeah rock man yeah, yeah. I forgot he was cool. in that movie. Jer- Jeremy Renner's in it. Nice. Um, Ensemble. Oh, he it's is? A huge, huge cast. Yeah, huge cast. Oh, I didn't know that. Come on, bro. John Oh, you've Voight. seen that movie. Come on, bro. I, I like Jeremy Broner. He's pretty good. Bro. <laughs> Jeremy <laughs> Broner. <laughs> or not John. Yeah, it's John Voight. I got, John uh, I got it, a Broner right? for, Ren? for Sam Jay Shepard's Brono. in it for sure. It's Jay Ren. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll get, us, I'll get us back on track. I'll get us back on track. I think we're... So, uh, quick in the Dead... Quick and the Dead. The reason it's not my favorite is because it it feels like it's it's almost like a parody. Like it feels like it's trying to be campy, but yeah. but then it just loses that like midway through. So like it it to me it starts out with like these archetypes, like these not actual characters. They're just like almost like poking fun at like western heroes, sort of a thing. But, yeah, the, but then, like, you realize, like, midway through the movie that it's like, nope, that's just who they are. So, for me, I was, like, let down about, like, 45 minutes into this movie when I realized that they were actually going to keep uh, these people the way they were. So, yeah, they did, that's they didn't ultimately why, yeah, that's ultimately why I didn't like it is just because of the characters. Um, yeah. Well, they got to kill them off really quick, right? Because somebody. Yeah, but that's a reason through, but... to make them interesting and good. Like I, ha- yeah. I hate when people t- like Rogue One when when everyone's like, "Oh, they just killed all the characters." Like it doesn't matter. Well, like that's a reason yeah. to create compelling characters because that makes it super dramatic. You know. That's true. So yeah, like that's, true. that's a I just hate it when people say that because that's like you just don't you just don't get how much better it could be. Um, I thought they were all decently like you could tell each one though, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, but that's because um, they felt more like caricatures than actual characters. Yeah, you know, get, like yeah. you could see the difference. They were acting different, but like they weren't very deep. None of them, none of them really w- went, you know, b- beneath the surface at all. They were. They, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I. I mean, I didn't think it was a great movie, but you know, it was. It was entertaining enough and definitely was not one of the worst movies we've watched so far so oh yeah um, no I, mean, I yeah i could think of one movie in particular that uh oh buddy oh man <laughs> I, I will murder that guy if i ever meet him <laughs> let's get that on record uh, put it on repeat oh fbi not, come after me that come after record. me fbi okay uh cool do you want anything you want to say about quick and the dead or not really yeah kind of basically kind of agreed with Jer- uh 
uh, Jacob. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't even. I couldn't help it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I don't really have anything bad to say about the movie, really, besides that it kind of felt like there was a beginning and then the other half were almost not quite different films, but there was it wasn't quite the same throughout. Um, I did like how it was more of an homage to the spaghetti westerns than the American uh, yeah. uh, tradition. That, I was, that, that was nice, yeah. And I really like Sharon Stone. She's really cool. So it was kind of cool that she was kind of like kind of like the main character, you know, uh, which is cool. Um, it's kind of fun to see DiCaprio young. I think it might be my favorite of his like younger movies, you know. Um, and yeah, Gene Hackman's cool. It's just cool to see, you know, the actors at that point in all their careers, which is kind of it's just different. Yeah, I was yeah, totally. I thought I thought that was nice young. too. Yeah. Yeah. But and then yeah, Vertigo. I mean, classic film. Yeah, one of, definitely one of the best um, Hitchcock films. Um, my personal favorite part of that movie is just when he's kind of following her around and you, yeah. and stuff. It's kind of interesting because you don't you don't quite know what his intention is. And um, right, I really I really like the scene too when he's like dressing her up. Uh, yes, oh, as it's like so I, weird, I, just, I love that scene though. It's just the way it's it's just done so well and in in the way it, it might be one of the most interesting acting um or scenes that jim jimmy stewart ever acted i think was that particular scene yeah um in any of his films so that, i like i like that movie for that reason especially just because it's just different and um yeah classic i mean vertigo is one of those movies we could have a whole podcast about just to yeah. dissecting and like you said earlier he's known for his um blocking and that that movie is just insane when it comes to blocking yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Even Overall, in that movie, like, they had that, like, green light, you know? Yeah. Like, which is cool because, like, green, like, it's a tricky color for me, yeah. I think, in movies. Because you can really, you can really turn off someone with, like, that green. It's, it, but it works it's for a, this. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a choice. Like, you can't, it, well, you know, like, if it was, like, an orange, you could easily kind of hide the orange a little bit. But green is, like, green and pink. Those are, like, two colors that you can't really... <laughs> Can't really go back after you uh, made the choice. Yeah, sure. yeah. Green in particular, you can really. It's not hard to like oversaturate, undersaturate, or get an unrealistic looking green. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, cool. So if those are uh, any the final comments, uh, yeah. we can move if, right along. If you guys had to pick one, what would you pick? Oh, uh, vertigo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, vertigo. Yeah, that's what I thought after watching quick in the whatever quick in the dead i was like well everyone's gonna pick vertigo <laughs> i guess it would have been more maybe we could have done like poltergeist as a as a opposite maybe it would have been I, a harder choice i thought I quick in the dead was actually a really good choice just and uh, specifically because of how they use the the yeah the dolly so shot too. Yeah. you know because the, the huge sequence of it um and then that maybe one that happened in the beginning right off the bat which i'm pretty sure was the thing i'm gonna totally just look it up after this and tell you guys but uh cool i i am not a fan of poltergeist oh interesting okay yeah that, which is it's just funny i i i but but i feel i feel kind of bad because i know you guys like I, you guys both like it right I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm just. I, I think to me, it's just one of those like. That's like the TV people movie, right? The TV ghosts. Yeah, in the closet. Yeah, in the closet. It, it yeah, just, to get into the TV or whatever. I was so just like disappointed in it. I mean, maybe I should watch it again, um, just to see. That was like late Toby Hooper though, so like he kind yeah. of. 
he kind of hit he came in strong and then in a lot of ways yeah got weaker as it went yeah. on so well we got to talk about him too obviously because he's a, his own little <laughs> yeah for sure. tour um so if you have any questions topic suggestions opinions or if you have any fact corrections send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com we're always trying to learn new things, so we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can also visit our Facebook page and join our group to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any past episodes. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes at Sound, uh, iTunes or at SoundCloud. Uh, uh, God dang it. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes and at SoundCloud.com slash B2B Films. Try uh, to screw do, up. I know, right? If you do like the show, no, please um, go to iTunes and rate it. Or leave a comment um, because <laughs> that actually does help move the. You're doing it on the one time. I'm asking people to like help us out here, man. Come on, come on. I'm gonna mute you. Don't in that screw part. up. Don't screw up. <laughs> so no, really though. If you do like the show, please rate it. Leave a comment um, because that's how the shows get visibility in iTunes and on the podcast list. So, and also yeah. we just want to make things good for everybody too. Yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah, you know, like we just and. The more people who start to listen, the more ideas, more feedback, the more conversation we can have. Um, so you know, you know, just leave leave something, even if it's even if it's hate, we'll take the hate. <laughs> I mean, I've heard supposedly that even a, a hateful comment or a bad rating will actually still get you so, like more. <laughs> um, oh my visibility. god! Right, right. That's good to um, know. I don't know this, but you know, obviously, we prefer you know. If, Positivity is cool, yeah. man. We're trying to keep or, positive vibes. I guess maybe not that, hate, maybe ideas. Constructive or criticism. Constructive criticism. I like that. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, you know, just if you like it, leave a review so other people can find it. That's really the goal. Let's try and broaden the community, you know, and and, and get more information out to more people. Yeah. Um, so we yeah, can make so, money. <laughs> so we can make money. Because we already make uh, a ton of money off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we don't make enough. God damn it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please leave ratings, comments, stuff like that. Uh, so our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner. It can be found at skinnyproducing.com. Skinner. Next week, Jacob will be gone. So I will. Our, um, uh, can I tell him what I'm doing? Yeah, sure. Okay. You're going to be gone like multiple days here in the next couple weeks. So yeah. I'm, multiple weeks. I'm getting married. Getting married. But this, uh, this next um, weekend is my bachelor party. We're going camping. And we're going to be camping up at this uh, cemetery where there's this nice large angel <laughs> that and we will all be looking at. <laughs> and this is why Byron and I told you the to entire fuck weekend off <laughs> and why we're not going. <laughs> this is exactly why we told but you. But there's going to gonna be an angel. I told you there's going to be an angel. It'll be great. You can have fun jerking it to your angel at that cemetery. That's why That's, Keith and I, I have the rest of my life going to, do that. to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> the angel is there. No, the angel will be there um, for the entire. No, but, but be it, desecrating the angel. In reality, yeah, yeah, you are. You're doing your bachelor party. You're doing wedding planning, and then you're actually getting married. So you know that actually getting precedence. married. So yeah, I will be. I'm out next week, and then uh, this uh, what like four weeks after this. So I'll I'll be in and in and out. But um, yeah, but we're going to be doing some mini episodes to fill in the gaps, and then we got some cool stuff planned for the for the episodes in between all that when you when we are back. Oh, yeah. as a, and once as we're a, back in action, it's like all specials. Yeah. Pretty much, but it's, it's like it Halloween, is, Thanksgiving, thirtieth episode special. You know, and so. then our picking up pick our own, you know, episodes that we picked or right. whatever. Like, yeah. yeah, and it's cool too cause, um, because because documentaries. Keith and I can't make it to the bachelor party. Jacob was nice enough to say that he will pay to bring us along to the honeymoon. 
So I did did say that. that. So that is pretty cool. So we'll be going to, you know, we might have like a special, you know, episode like in hawaii or wherever they choose to go that's true you know, which is yeah, pretty yeah. which is pretty cool you know i think i, I mean, drank too much wine that i mean I, we won't when i said i do be that. with we won't be with jacob the whole time uh you guys, we'll will, be, you guys will be like, with tiffany the whole time <laughs> 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 well, well you know we'll do our own thing but uh well but yeah you know, we're so going to, nice we're going to italy so maybe there's more angels there are you actually going to italy yeah nice oh dude that's awesome yeah dog. sweet but that's like we're gonna go next year like, See, oh, he okay, hasn't cool. told his soon-to-be wife yet, so right. like, he's he's waiting he's for that. Nice. I'm wait. You guys know. Don't yeah, tell she, her. Don't tell her. You guys she, know before. She listens by 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 listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. and she finds out by that. that oh way. my god. She <laughs> she doesn't listen to this podcast. I will prove it, <laughs> Tiffany. If you listen to the podcast, uh, I have a prize for you. It's a brand new car. Uh, come pick it up. It's, I We're have both going to secretly message her and tell her to listen to I this I have episode. the keys uh, in the drawer. Uh, yeah, it's a wrap four. So <laughs> you're welcome. Happy marriage. Happy marriage. Um, happy marriage. <laughs> uh, it's already over. Um, so well, I just got a wrap four, so I think it's What okay. did they say? Uh, what is it? Fuck, it's stupid. I shouldn't even said that. Uh, anyway, so um, anyway, uh, we don't know exactly what two short films we'll be covering for this mini episode, or if we're just going to even tackle a main one. Uh, it's probably going to be just a mini, but we'll post uh, to the Facebook page what the two films will be, and then uh, yeah, we'll have that out next week. Um, but so if you want the updates, you know, go like the page. If you want to know what the films are, please like it. Uh, why not? Uh, yeah. So when we do tell you, make sure you watch those films and be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye.